What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Wake up with your boy right here on the Coach JB Show every day, 6 to 9 a.m. Pacific, right here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, become a member, pound the like button today throughout the show. We need the likes because we're so hated, and you know it's Thirsty Thursday right here live. We're going to have a great lineup for you today. Um, Eric Galco, the uh, CFO of the East-West Shrine Game NFL Draft Combine Extraordinaire, the former CFO of the XFL. He's going to join us today live uh, in the first hour. We're going to ask him about the East-West Shrine versus the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, how he likes it and what he thinks is uh, happening in the NFL Draft. And how has the draft changed? And what does he think about the quarterback landscape? And what is in the draft at that position since we just had Tom Brady retire and so much other shit going on? Aaron Rodgers in the news, Devontae Adams, Las Vegas Raiders. We got it all, short, fat, skinny, and tall. Steve Kim will join me. Matt McChesney's going to join me to talk about Sean Payton hire in Denver, how that affects Russell Wilson. Plus the D'Amico Ryan's the Houston uh, debacle. And is the script real? Is Adrian Foster just trying to fuck with everybody or is the script real? We're going to ask Matt because everybody's chiming in on it. We think it's all bullshit. Of course, we know it's bullshit. Uh, but is there some truth to it? We're going to ask Matt that. Plus, we're going to ask a bunch of other folks questions to uh, all these folks. And Joe Rat Rogan's dad and sister and brother calling out Joe Rogan, saying he's a liar and a scam artist. We're going to break that down. All things brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Gets you 20% off uh, right now on uh, betonline.ag. This is also brought to you by Canadips, CanadipsCBD.com. Head on over there. Use the promo code COACHJB. And Keonis Builds. If you want a bar top, bar back, or a full-on build-out, Keonis Builds on Instagram. Q-U-I-N-O-E-Z-B-U-I-L-D-S. That's who built the Slapstick Cigar Lounge Bar. And uh, they do the greatest bar builds in SoCal. Hit them up, Keonis Builds on Instagram. We got a lot to discuss today. Uh, why is mediocrity the new excellence? We're going to get into all that, plus a bunch of other shit uh, right here live. Don't hit, go nowhere. Hit the like button, subscribe, become a member if you're not one. And don't forget the Slap Nation Discord. It is up and running. Go check it out. $2.99 a month, come in, talk to us, chat it up. The community's great. They have a hell of a time in there. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, let me get you quote of the day. Started off the right way. Uh, telling the truth requires no memorization. 
Telling the truth requires zero memorization. I don't know if you realize that. I don't lie for the simple fact that I don't want to remember. I don't want to remember what I told you. So I just tell you the fucking truth right out the gate. I don't need to tell you (laughs) anything other than what it is because I don't need to remember shit. I don't want to remember shit. That just is what it is. So unless you uh, like lying and you're a good one and you're a good liar, then go ahead and make up lies all day long. But for me, nah, I'll just tell you the truth. I don't have to remember shit. Uh, Contrary to belief, Brought to you by CanadipCBD.com. Head on over there. Use the promo code CoachJB. There is no greater wealth in this world than peace of mind. I truly believe that shit. That's why I make my circle real fucking small. The world is full of beautiful things. But first, you must go through a bunch of ugly shit in order to find them. The world is full of beautiful things. You got to just go through a bunch of ugly shit to find that shit. Small circles, private life, equal peaceful mind. Um... I'm just telling you right now, as I get older every single day, I have created a small circle for my motherfucking self. Two dogs, myself, maybe a few homies here and there. But other than that, nah, I've eliminated a lot of shit and created this tightly wound circle that uh, has allowed me to go to sleep at night and wake up every morning with no regrets, peaceful mind. And a uh, don't give a fuck what you say attitude. Just trying to tell you. Uh, my Instagram has officially been deleted. Don't know where it went. Nobody told me about it. Uh, I will not make a new one. They're going to have to bring it back for me because I'm not doing that shit. Um, it's just too exhausting for me. I'm not going to do it for what? So they could delete me again? Fuck no. Uh, I've got a shitload of emails and a shitload of DMs on Twitter. Where's your Instagram? Hey, man, look. I don't know where it is, and uh, I don't care. It is what it is. They've deleted two of my big accounts. One was verified. The new one hadn't been verified yet, but it was growing, and uh, they deleted it. So fuck them. I'm not doing it again. Fuck Facebook. Fuck Instagram. Fuck them. I don't give a shit. One thing I don't do. I don't have scabs on my knees because I don't kiss ass, and I surely don't suck dicks. So I ain't fucking giving a shit about Instagram and what they want to do. They want to delete me, so be it. Yeah, I'll lose a little bit of money. I'll lose a bit of, uh, you know, giving back to the uh, to the fans. They love the content, but you know what? I can't do it. I can't recreate another one. So we got the Coach JB Show. So if you want to follow the Coach JB Show on Instagram, that's our show Instagram Plus, I still got Slapdick Bullies, Slapdick Cigars. I got the Coach JB Show Instagram. I got too many fucking Instagrams anyway. So, oh, well, fuck it. Um, Joe Rogan's dad calls him out, along with his sister and brother, calling him a liar, cloud chaser. So, first of all, you can't call somebody a cloud chaser and you're making a TikTok video about your famous brother, number one. Number two, uh, if you haven't seen this on TikTok, go watch it. It's his dad. He's 85 years old. His brother and his sister, full-on Italians, calling out Joe Rogan, saying that you lied to get famous about your dad and the sob story. My dad, his dad apparently was a former police or detective, says he has a clean record. His brother and dad have all this paperwork showing it. Who knows, dog? I don't know. I don't really care. I don't even know what Joe Rogan does. I've never listened to one of his shows 
I have no interest. I don't really watch shows any like that on podcasts. I don't really walk around listening to podcasts. Never was one of my uh, things. So I appreciate everybody that listens to my ass every day. Uh, I just not into that shit. I've never been into that podcast world. I didn't want to really listen to anyone's shows. Um, so I don't know what Joe Rogan even talks about. I've seen clips of them on TikTok talking about aliens and shit. I'm just like, come on, man. I, that's what makes it big nowadays? Fuck. I guess I'm going to start talking about aliens. I don't know. You know I won't because I really don't give a fuck. I'm only going to be honest and real. Uh, the Dodger CEO decision to cut Bauer was unanimous. Uh, Trevor Bauer was cut, uh, had a bunch of uh, allegations, accusations, etc. cetera, uh, with the female situation. Uh, last year was suspended a whole year. Um, the Dodgers say that was a unanimous decision to get rid of him. Uh, this show is, uh, going to be, uh, action packed. Um, Steve Kim joins me. Matt McChesney's going to join me. Uh, hopefully he can get his computer right. He's going to bring his laptop and Eric Galco. He's the director of the East West Shrine game. He also used to be the COO or CEO of the XFL when it relaunched a couple years ago before COVID. Um, he runs the East-West Shrine game, which is arguably the best NFL draft evaluation game. It was just in Vegas. Um, it was just in Vegas, and that's where I was at over the weekend. Belichick, a lot of people were there. So he does a good job with running that. We're going to ask him what the difference is in now and what it was back in the day as far as the NFL draft. Um who are some hidden gems in the draft and how happy he is compared to the Shrine and the, uh, I mean, t- compared to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, which is going on this week. And uh, what he thinks about the XFL and where it came with The Rock from when he was running it. And uh, what he thinks about the quarterback position. And then what quarterback in the draft does he like since he's been able to see all of them? Uh, we're going to ask him about some inside information on the NFL draft. So he will join us here in about 20 minutes. And um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, the Las Vegas Raiders, reports out there that Aaron Rodgers bought a house in Summerlin, which is one of the nicer areas in Vegas. Um, so Devontae Adams apparently is sending cryptic tweets out. Uh, people don't know if he's saying to say no, stay away, or is he saying please come? Who knows? Who cares? I don't know why people do that shit. Just say the shit. Say what you say. Aaron Rodgers, or Devontae Adams wrote this. Las Vegas locally. Uh, which, is na- which neighborhood is Aaron Rodgers moving to? Uh, he tweeted that out apparently. Um The reports that Aaron Rodgers has bought a home in Summerlin is not proven yet. I have no idea. I just left there. Uh, I got to go back there soon. Um, I know a few prominent people in Vegas uh, that uh, live in Summerlin that will surely know if he's moving in there or not. It's not a big place. It is not a big place. But if he does buy a house in Summerlin, it does not mean he's going to fucking Vegas. He likes Vegas. He golfs there. He hangs out there. I don't think that means you're going to go play there. Now, with Tom Brady being exiled, retired, whatever you want to call it, he's done. He's gone. I think he really is gone this time. If he comes back, he's just going to look like an idiot. Tom Brady's gone. With that having been said, there's two spots open that fit him. The Raiders. 
the Niners. Um, I don't think Green Bay is going to trade him to the Niners, which is going to be the big problem. I think he would rather play for the Niners back home in his hometown in that area, but I don't think they're going to trade him to an NFC team. That has kind of been said already uh, pretty emphatically by the Green Bay Packers. I don't think they're going to really care. They're not going to trade him to an NFC rival, especially a team they can't beat, which is the 49ers. So the Raiders make more sense. Um, Devontae Adams hooking back up with him makes more sense. You got Waller, Renfro. If you can keep Jacobs, um, you got a pretty decent defense. If you can get a couple other pieces and sure up that O-line, um, the Raiders have a good roster. They have a decent roster. We will check it out. We will see. Um, we will see. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you fucked them over or not, Hector. Uh, I'm just getting to the chat. Uh, I don't know how that all worked out. I'm not sure. Um, but it's crazy. The Packers have came out and made a statement endorsing Jordan Love, saying Jordan Love has made real progress. So starting to look more and more promising that Aaron Rodgers is out of there. That's what I'm getting from it. Um, the Eagles old lineman Josh Seals indicted on kidnapping charges, forced oral competition. I don't know what, how, how you force oral. Um, I, I got So I, I, I've heard this forced oral thing before. Like, I, I don't understand how you force oral. I got I to gotta break this down. To all the ladies in the room, anyone else in the room, um, I don't know. I got to, how do you force oral? Because if I'm not, I'm not a smart, I'm not that smart of a guy. I'm not a math major by any means in, in, at all. I'm not a math major. Uh, but I am a hustler and I, I think I can figure out certain shit, right? So females, please, I'm just curious. Does, if, if a guy forces oral upon you, and tells you you have to do this, and he forcibly holds your head. I don't know what he does. That sounds creepy as fuck to me. Does he have a gun to your head or something? Because wouldn't a girl just bite that motherfucker shit off? Like, I'm confused. Why have I never heard oral, forced oral, and the girl just didn't bite his shit off? Like, that is a dumb motherfucker. Whoever is forcing it and whoever is doing the act and don't just bite the motherfucker clean off, uh, I mean, you ha you're holding all the cards, ladies. <laughs> I just got to be honest. You're holding the cards. You control the narrative on this one. So I'm confused as to what forced oral really is. I got to know. And if you are forcing someone to, to put, you know, proceed to do oral on you, that's a weird motherfucker. Like, I don't want forced oral. If it's forced, then I need you to stop and get the fuck out. I'm not forcing you to do shit. I'm confused as to what the fuck forced oral really is. I'm just asking that question. I was discussing this last night because somebody brought it up in a jokingly way. Obviously, this is not a joking manner. Uh, this fucking guy supposedly got indicted on rape and kidnapping charges. So we don't know what the situation is. But I just wanted to clarify and ask a question. I just don't know. Sometimes, you you know, ignorance is life-threatening. and You got to ask questions. What is forced oral? I got to know. I got to know. Unless 
Unless she has, yeah, okay. Grabbing her head is that's what I'm saying, Joe. Forced oral. That ain't forced oral though. Like, why hasn't I heard? How about I heard the girl just say, you know what? I bought, I bit the shit out of his dick. I bit his dick clean off. Like you control the narrative, females. Unless he has a gun to your head. Shit. If he ain't got no gun in your head, shit, I'm biting. You control the narrative. It's like a guy, you got your balls in his hand and you're fucking walking him around the park like, motherfucker, say something. I'll squeeze the shit out of your nuts. Like, I don't, it's worse. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm just asking one question. I don't want to get into a whole semantic fucking argument about she was kidnapped. You think she had any choice? Yeah. If she ain't got a gun to her head and she got his dick in his mouth, her mouth, bite that motherfucker. What's he going to do? Hit you? You got to be a real creepy motherfucker. I understand you're an old lineman. You're a fat fuck. But damn, dog. You got to be a creepy motherfucker to what? To have to force a female. You got money, dog. Go buy a fucking hooker, stripper, OnlyFans. <laughs> Come on, man. Matt Rule taking Carolina to court for $5 million. Um, he's going to arbitration. He wants his $5 million from Carolina Panthers that they apparently owe him. Curious to see how that unfolds. Um we're going to see. We're going to see how that worked out. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, apparently the Josh Seals incident happened in 2019. He's just now being indicted 10 days before the Super Bowl, by, mind you, which is pretty crazy. Um, rumors out there that the Bears have decided to keep Justin Fields and they're possibly going to trade the number one overall pick for a lot of shit. Now we're talking. Now we're getting into some scenarios that I was bringing up. Like, hey, listen, you either trade him and you trade him for a number two pick and grab two capital from Texans or you buy into keeping him and you build that roster out. You can probably get a decent amount of assets from trading the number one and not drafting Bryce Young. If you trade number one, um, there's a lot out there. But you're going to have to get, like, what team really um, do the 49ers trade for one again? Uh, they, they can't be this bad at quarterback, dog, because Niners are now down to no quarterback with all this pretty bells and whistles, this great roster. Everyone keeps saying great roster. I told Chase Sr. yesterday, I don't call it a great roster. Can't be a great roster without a quarterback. Sorry, just going to say it. You cannot have a great roster without a good quarterback. You cannot have a good roster. A great roster means you have a great quarterback. The Niners have not had a great quarterback in quite some time. In quite some time. So, uh, you know, I don't really know what to say about you 49er fans. Right now, you're the 39ers. I'm not buying you. I haven't bought you. I'm not a Shanahan believer. I think he's a choke artist extraordinaire. 
but nobody wants to really call him out and talk about him because of who his daddy is. He's a good old boy in the network. Shanahan's name will never be mentioned. He'll never get drugged through the mud. He'll never be a one-and-done coach like a Lovey Smith was in Houston or any of these other fucks. Can't wait to do Last Chance Q tonight with Sean Salisbury. We didn't get to do it yesterday. We will do it tonight. We're going to break this whole scenario down, plus show some Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes film um, tonight on Last Chance Q, 5 p.m. Pacific, live on this channel right here on YouTube. Um, So if the Bears make that number one trade, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. A little fun fact for you guys out there. There's six NFL players started their careers either – while Tom Brady was playing in 2000 or after Tom Brady started playing in 2000. Six guys have completed their entire career, waited five years, and then been named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Six guys. Let that sink in. Six guys started in 2000 or after and have set out five years after retiring, been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Tom Brady's still playing. Just saying, that is a very, very interesting thing. I'll do a trip, without Googling it, um, if there's anybody out there that knows the answer, uh, without Googling it, call in right now. I'll let you call in right now. Give me the six names without Googling it. If you call in within like 20 seconds, I'll give you an opportunity. If not, I fucked up. I should have had you call in first. I think that's a cool trivia. Uh, Six guys. Six guys have um, started. Well, Luke Keekley's not in the Hall of Fame, my friend, Nick Ramos. Uh, Sorry. I just said six guys started at or after and have set out five years and now is inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame. Tom Brady just retired yesterday. So Ray Lewis uh, was playing before. Ray Lewis was in a Super Bowl um, in 99, just so you know. So Ray Lewis started his career before. Peyton Manning started his career before. I said six guys started either at the same time or after, not before. Brian, uh, Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning started their careers before Tom Brady. Just so we're clear. You guys haven't got it at all, not even close. You're typing all the wrong shit in. So it's too late. Nobody called in. Fuck you. You don't get it. Um, it's Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu, Calvin Johnson, Brian Erlacher, who's been on this show, Ladanian Thomason, and Steve Hutchinson. Those are the guys who started at or after Tom Brady and have since been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu, Calvin Johnson, Brian Erlacher, Ladanian Thomason, Steve Hutchinson. Great little trivia fun fact for you guys out there. Now, nobody else call in. Um, Eric Galco is going to join us here in about five minutes. Um, we're going to talk to him. He runs the East-West Shrine game right now, the Shrine football game. Um, make sure you guys follow him. 
Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. I don't know. Can't wait to talk to uh, Matt. Is going to call in later on. Uh, Steve Kim's going to join us at about 7.15 a.m. on the West Coast, 10.15 on the East Coast. Steve Kim's going to join us. And then Matt McChesney's going to call in around 7.30, uh, 8 o'clock. We're going to talk to him about Russell Wilson and the Sean Payton hire. Does the Sean Payton hire correct and fix Russell Wilson? Does Russell Wilson get his mojo back? We're going to find that out. We're going to find that out. Um, Poll question. Where does Aaron Rodgers end up? Where does Aaron Rodgers end up? Drop your comments in the selection. Whoever gets it right, I'm going to do a little thing. Email me. I did this last year. Um, Forgot who won. Somebody won, though. That's still a member, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I'm going to have the first five emails that send me an email with the correct answer will win um, some type of merch. Hoodie. Uh, cup, um, coffee mug, visor, something, polo, first five. Where does Aaron Rodgers end? Does he retire? Does he stay a Packer? Is he a Raider or is he somewhere else? Those are the answers. Email me, coachjb12 at gmail.com. And uh, the first five that email me that get it right now, if the first five that email me get it wrong, it doesn't matter. Then I'll go to the next five guys that get it. Whoever is the first five emails that get it right win. I think he's going to be a Raider. I really do. I don't think he's going to be Brian Case already on it. He already sent me the email. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to go to Tennessee. I don't think he's going to be a Jet. I don't think he wants to live in the East Coast. I think he wants to get back home. And I think he wants to get on the West Coast, play golf year-round, not have to worry about the snow, not have to worry about the cold. I think he's a Raider if the Raiders can figure it out. That makes the most sense right now. Um, But I'm telling you right now, somebody... The first five guys that emailed me saying Vegas, they're putting all their chips in one basket. I, I, You know, maybe he's not a Raider. Maybe he's not a Raider. CoachJB12 at gmail.com is the email. Send it to me. Um, maybe he's not a Raider, though. Who's going to go out on a limb and say he's not a Raider? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a Raider or not. We don't know. We're going to see. Um, can't wait to I'm talk to Steve. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to talk to... Uh, um, Eric here in a second. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. Uh, we're going to ask him about the draft. And um, very interesting. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he can go to, I don't know if he can go to the 49ers, to be honest. I don't think the Packers are going to trade him to an NFC rival. I don't see him going to the, the to the to the 49ers. I really don't. I don't think he can go to the 49ers. I don't think they're going to trade him. I want it. Would you? Um, I'm seeing the emails pour in. I'm seeing Tampa Bay Bucks. I I don't see that ever happening. That would be a huge risk. If that happened, I'd kudos to you for saying that. I don't see him going to the Bucks. There's no way. There's no way he can go to the Bucks. 
if he goes to the Bucks, um, <coughs> if he goes to the Bucks, <coughs> he ain't following Brady A. And I don't think the Packers are going to trade him to the NFC. That's just is what it is. I don't believe that's what's going to happen. Um, I don't think so. Um, Jimmy G. This was said before. I'm going to let you hear this little clip real quick. Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. Yeah, no, I gotcha. <laughs> This was the same thing they said last year, right? I wish you guys could see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. Yeah. No. Shanahan irks me a little bit. I don't like his face. I don't like Shanahan's face. It kind of irks me. He's, he just looks like a fucking, I don't know. <sighs> I'm going to be honest. I got to golf with his dad not too long ago, and I've heard bad things about that guy. I don't know, man. I'm just going to be honest, dog. He looks like a fake, phony motherfucker to me. That's just me. I don't know him. I never met him, but <sighs> let me ask you guys something common sense-wise. Your quarterback who just took you to the NFC title game has a fucking six- to nine-month rehab, probably surgery on his elbow. Throwing elbow, Okay. A, number one. B, Trey Lance hasn't played in four years. Do you risk that? Do you risk that? Getting rid of Jimmy G? I don't. I think they're full of BS again. Um, without further ado, I appreciate everybody uh, hitting the like button, joining us uh, live here this morning on, the, on this fine Thursday morning. Um, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, become a member. Um, Eric Galco, the uh, head of the East-West Shrine game, joins us. I appreciate him coming in. Give it up for him. Um, Eric, what up, man? What's going on, buddy? How we doing? How you doing, man? You still in Vegas? I'm still in Vegas. Game day tonight, 8.30 Eastern time on NFL Network. That's right. It's on NFL Network. That's right. Um, I, I see you're doing a little tour, man. Where, you, where were you on this morning on uh, NFL Network? Were you on that network? Yeah, good, good morning football this morning with Peter Schrager and the guys. Okay, Peter's a good dude. Uh, yeah, got to meet him through uh, Pat McAfee and everybody. Um, man, uh, so let me ask you something. You got started in the you, you started what Optimum Scouting? Yeah, yeah, I've been about business a long time and consulting NFL clubs, consulting people in the industry throughout, and I've had experience working most recently before taking over the Shrine Bowl two years ago as an executive with the XFL before, unfortunately, kind of COVID of that season too. So I've been kind of all around the pro circuit, but. Took over the Shrine Bowl a year and a half ago and goal of making it a best-in-class experience for guys. That's uh, good. I was at the practices, man, and uh, I, I got to hang out with a couple guys you knew and yeah. I knew you. And uh, I, I, I got to say, I, I spoke at the NFLPA, Eddie George, good friend of mine who was the head coach for one of those teams, Jeff Fisher, the other one in Pasadena, and then before that. And then I drove out to Vegas and got to go to your guys' deal, hanging out with the head coach of the Edmonton team and CFL team. Uh I, I gotta say your your uh, your practice structure, your practices, the vibe, and the players were yeah. 
night and day above uh, what I saw uh, in the NFLPA. Explain, what's the difference between the NFLPA, you guys, and then the Senior Bowl in Mobile? Yeah, um, the, the Shrine Bowl this year, for, for one, is in Las Vegas. Allegiant Stadium, pretty nice. That's the best thing in the NFL. We've got great facilities. Our guys got to practice in the Raiders practice facility, which Bill Belichick called the Taj Mahal of facilities earlier this year. So awesome facilities, awesome city for these guys. And this year, the Shrine Bowl was the only all-star game with two full NFL coaching staffs. We got Arthur Smith and Bill Belichick roaming the sidelines. All of our players learning the Falcons and Patriots playbooks all week, which haven't been easy for these guys, but learning how to be pros all week long, too. So it was awesome for these guys to experience not only Vegas and all the cool stuff there, but be coached by Bill Belichick and Arthur Smith. And again, we try to keep these things compact for these guys. They have a long week of practice. And I've I've heard how their all-star games do it. We're trying to be the best in class event. Nah, so so how'd you get hooked up in it? They they just knew your 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 pedigree. They knew what you did in the scouting world, they knew what you did in XFL. And they reached out and was like, hey, man, come come build this thing. Like, how do you get a guy like Bill Belichick to come coach yeah. this thing? And he's like, you know, he, he stays away from the media. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. He's got his son out there coaching. I got to talk to him a little bit. I've known him a little bit. Uh, how do you get a guy like him to come buy into this thing? You know, we, we are two NFL staffs are from two non-playoff teams. And actually, people from the Patriots reached out before we kind of made our selection advocating for it. They were like, we would love to coach this if possible because it gives you a huge experience, right, to work with these players directly to learn how their study habits are. And more importantly, I think sometimes who the guys you don't want to draft are as much as the guys you do want to draft. So that hands-on experience is great. Last year, the Patriots didn't coach this game and they drafted four guys from the Shrine Bowl. So this year, I'm expecting seven, eight, nine, ten of these guys they coach all week long too. But I've been joking, Coach Belichick has been the assistant special teams coach, assistant tight end coach all week long. He's not the head coach and name for the week, but he's been hands-on all week long. He's been yelling at guys on kickoff, on kick return. He's been helping quarterbacks with the handoff exchange. I mean, classic Bill Belichick, what I've seen from a distance about the nuanced details, and he's been fantastic with these guys all week long. Man, it's good. I got to see him and Arthur yeah. there, and I was there that Saturday. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Um, Eastern? Uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, yep, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. 5.30 Pacific. Everybody, make sure you watch NFL Network East-West Shrine Game at uh, Legion Stadium in Vegas. Uh, a lot of news coming out. Devontae Adams sending out cryptic emails and texts and tweets and stuff like that right now out of Vegas. Um, he's basically saying, you know, where is Aaron Rodgers buying his home at? Um, <laughs> any any rumor of that? Are they, uh, is Aaron Rodgers in Summerlin right now? Is he a Raider next year? I have not. I have not seen him yet. I know him and Devontae are very, very close. I was surprised when Devontae kind of wanted out in Green Bay and wanted to go to Las Vegas. But um, Raiders have an opening at quarterback. I'm not sure Jared Sidham is the long-term answer. I'm not sure they're in a position to maybe draft a guy they want to get either, too. So Jimmy Garoppolo's out there. He has Josh McDaniels' connections as well. There's other quarterbacks that get free agency, but it seems like Aaron Rodgers is a trade. And after the Broncos have traded, what, three, four first-round picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton? I mean, the Raiders trading – Another one for a quarterback makes a lot of sense. No doubt. Uh, Eric Galco, the director of the Shrine Game, joining us, uh, former XFL exec. Let me ask you this. The XFL came back. COVID shut it down. The, they're coming back yep. with The Rock. Um, how'd you get invited? How'd you get uh, started there in that XFL before COVID? I thought it was a great league idea as far as everything you were doing rules-wise. Um, yep. As far as everything that was happening, unfortunately, you know, these startup leagues really last a year or, or if, if that sometimes, as we saw um, in, in the same year with the other league that happened that didn't even make it through a season. Um, yeah. What was that, the AAF or whatever? So, yeah, 
What do you think about this new one now? Now you have USFL, XFL, Arena League came back yesterday with an <laughs> announcement that they're coming back. I'm tied in with this other Arena League deal um, that we'll be making an announcement on soon. Uh, I'm not really doing nothing. They just want me to use my face. But what do you, all these different leagues, um, and yeah. you're, you're running the big boy right here with the best talent in the country going to the draft, hopefully the NFL draft. And then, uh, and then you still have the CFL out there, which pretty has a pretty damn good track record. It's been around over a hundred years. Um, there's been some. I've sent some players there. I know the CFL has done well for a long, long time. Where's the? Ta- is there that much talent in America to sustain these leagues that give a decent product on the field to watch? I don't think there's enough talent. To your point, when I was the XFL, my job was largely in player personnel, and I would joke all the time. First off, my job was you know, making sure our teams were set up, but I was focused on quarterback and offensive linemen, right? There's not enough quarterbacks that can handle a playbook, handle an offense, manage guys and not make mistakes. And there's not enough offensive linemen. When I was leading the XFL, I had a list of guys, offensive linemen that were not in the league in any way that who can maybe get us out of a game at offensive line. And by the, by week four, week five, I had three guys left. I told my boss, Oliver Luck, the commissioner at the time, I'm like, Oliver, we lose three more offensive linemen we might be fucked, right? It was getting tight there towards the end. It just that's just for one league, and we had no competition that year. So it's really hard to have enough talent. I'm I'm curious how the USFL and the XFL competing for guys. The CFL's safe, as you pointed out, reliable, right? It's been around for a hundred years. Maybe guys want to go there versus playing in America because it's safer. So I'm curious to see how the quality of talent is for all three of these leagues. I think there's a there's enough talent for definitely one league to be beneficial for guys that want to continue their career. I learned the XFL good number of guys have no chance of getting back to the NFL and they want to play professional football more and keep that dream alive. And that's great. But the idea that using these other spring leagues to kind of vault yourself to the NFL is is pretty narrow, but I think there's definitely a market for a lot of these guys to just keep playing football and enjoy themselves and getting paid for it. But having three leagues at once sounds pretty tough. Yeah. And then you got the arena league. Like what's the product? Like when I played arena ball back in the day in Chicago for the rush and LA and, and, and all over these places, the talent was pretty damn good. You got you got guys that left there and end up winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Like Arena League at that time was pretty damn good. All you had though was the XFL was around for that one year. Vince McMahon or uh, whatever it was in two thousand, um, the LA team yeah. Tommy Maddox led uh, to win a, the first inaugural deal. He hate me made it big with his name on the back of the jersey. <laughs> threw his yeah. shit out on the forty yard dash for a coin flip. But having said that. Doesn't quarterbacks drive this uh, kind of the watch party is driven by how good the quarterbacks are? I mean, because I don't yeah. there's not enough. I'm not going to watch the A-string quarterback who got cut in the NFL and then who goes to the USFL. USFL was bad, in my opinion, last year watching it, even though I had a lot of buddies coaching it, because the quarterback position was so god-awful. And it it's like yeah. there's not enough quarterbacks in the NFL right now, in my opinion, that are good. Like, I think quarterback play in the NFL is at an all-time low even though the talent level is at all-time high. I don't believe that talent makes you a great quarterback. I think we see this every day. Um, I don't know. The quarterbacks in this draft, um, do you see any hidden gems? Uh, do you see anybody that you've seen that are that's going to come out and try to make an impact? I just don't see rookies coming into the league anymore, especially on bad teams, which unfortunately most, most of the good quarterbacks or better ones in college are going to go to a bad team in the NFL, and I just yeah. think they get stuck there. Yeah, no, I I was in the XFL. One of the big takeaways I had philosophically at quarterback was, hey, we need guys that can improvise and then not make mistakes. 
right? Look at arm talent and athleticism, and that's important. It's valuable. It can be a tool, but you need guys that can improvise in you know, A-gap pressure. Not many guys can escape A-gap pressure, but if you can do that and you cannot F up RPOs, right, you might be able to be an NFL quarterback for a little while. And at the XFL, I said, hey, our offensive line is not going to be great. We need to have mobility, but also, again, improvisation, mobility are different things sometimes. And, I, you know, Tom Brady's a great improviser. He's not very mobile, right? I think Brock Purdy has shown he maybe isn't the best athlete, but he can improvise and make plays even as a rookie. So we had guys like P.J. Walker, Taylor Heineke in the XFL, Jordan Tayamu. Those were guys that were, I think, were NFL, they are NFL-quality players. They weren't in the NFL for a circumstance. But I think we're seeing a change in terms of how teams are valuing quarterbacks. We'll see how this draft goes, but you've got to have guys that can – be consistent, be sound in the pocket, handle A-gap, B-gap pressure, pressure. Again, run 70% of throws in the NFL nowadays are pretty easy, right? Just don't screw those up. Make a few plays on your own. Make a few plays downfield and let the abundance of receiver talent. We've got the best receiver talent, tight end talent, running back talent, NFL history in the league right now. Just give those guys the ball as quickly as possible. I think hopefully with Brock Purdy, who actually played in the Shrine Bowl a year ago, can show you that like, hey, you don't have to be dynamic to lead a team to the playoffs. And I think Bryce Young has a lot of that ability. He's a guy from Bama. Like he's a great person, great kid, great leader. I think he could be that kind of guy. Aiden O'Connell of Purdue is a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe a name you don't know, but smart, married, efficient, quick release. Clayton Toon of Houston, a good quarterback as well. But then you look at Anthony Richardson of Florida, who's immensely talented, but can he make those 70% of throws that you need to make? Can he improvise? Will Levis, CJ Stroud, I'm not sure. So I think to your point, it's it's way more like, hey, can you do these small things right? I don't need the big arm. I need Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy can give me to a Super Bowl if I have good talent. Give me Brock Purdy's. Don't give me Zach Wilson's who don't make it because of other reasons. Nah, no, no doubt. It's a good point. I, man, I'm watching these quarterbacks. I'm just like, man, I'd rather block a gap. Like, yeah. see what I mean? Back in the day, <laughs> I want to be able to know the fucking protection and go and make sure, okay, I, I got too many guys at the line of scrimmage. I can't block them with my six guys. My five old yeah. lineman running back. I got to make a slide protection call. I got to block a gap. Nowadays, to your point, we rather see a guy escape a gap, run around like his head cut off, a chicken with head cut off like Kyler Murray, and yet make two hundred fifty million dollars, but can't understand <laughs> who his hot is and who's not. And I'm just like, dude, something's wrong. I don't know about you. Um, I I kind of go back and look at this is how we're calling plays in with yeah. a card. It's got me and you on it. Right, our face on there, Stephen A. Smith. It's got crazy, but you know, oranges and apples, whatever is on there. And they they look at that shit. They call the play. Let's go. Clap it. Let's go. They're not really running from the sideline with a bunch of verbiage. They don't get that. They don't get to run it. We used to go from the sideline to the huddle. Have to know this play this long. Call it, and then execute it inside of a cl- play clock. Right. We have to used to do that. Nowadays. I think it's hurting these kids when they go to the NFL and they get a playbook this thick and they get a verbiage like this. They can't. They, I don't. Th- I think it's hurting them. I think the yeah. hard game, the tempo, all the things we see in college, not taking a center quarterback exchange under center anymore as much. I think it's killing uh, the NFL. And then, and then I guess it's forcing, to your point, the NFL to change into what college is. Yeah, and I think it's – no matter how athletic you are, we saw Kyler, right? No matter how athletic you are in college, like the windows are smaller in the NFL. There's so many good athletes. Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen are freaking 6'3", playing corner. Like you don't have a huge window, so you've got to operate a play with timing, with precision, and you can't just run around, have a general concept, right? Can't have a switch concept and like, all right, go run this play. You need more than that. 
and more complex than that too. And I think a lot of these kids coming out of college, in my experience too, is that not a lot of guys can handle that. And I think that's why NFL teams are starting to go towards, again, guys like Brock Purdy, who like, hey, he ran a pro-style offense in college. He knows what these things all mean. He can recite a play in a meeting. We had a couple guys here, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, a lot of our quarterbacks, and NFL teams in these interviews are saying like, what's your favorite play? And if that play is less than five words, you're probably in tough shape when you get to the NFL. I think these guys that can do that in the college level are going to make the best transition, whereas the guys with big, strong arms running, like you said, cards, a wheel of cheese at a, a person's face, like you don't have that in the NFL because you just can't benefit. You can't just make it happen with, with arm talent athleticism. So I think and you're going to see a shift in terms of guys that value a quarterback. I, 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 I just getting a common question. How did you conduct this thing? Is it your ideology or your – do you create this agenda as far as when this when this thing started last weekend or right before last Friday, Saturday, when you guys roll into town? Do, do you create the agenda and the schedule, or is that created by the coaches and everyone that's involved who you who you hire to bring on? Uh, and what I mean by is this, like like you just said, are you taking like Wonderlick type to test? Are you doing <laughs> uh, film with the coaches? Are they are they basically just using this as a complete combine? Uh, questionnaire interview yeah. basically we know it's an interview every day is an interview but are they interviewing these kids in that regard is kind of what you just mentioned I saw most of the drills yeah. you guys did were kind of combine-ish as far as receivers catching dropping catching dropping you know DBs were doing a lot of red zone one-on-one stuff um, I went to the NFLPA and I'm sitting there watching Mike uh, Jeff Fisher do three fucking walkthroughs and I'm sitting there like, who's watching this? Like, how are you getting evaluation? I think Jeff Fisher's basically giving the NFL a big fuck you because he's not coaching, yeah. but that's a whole nother ball game. But like, I saw what you guys did and I'm like, is that your idea or is that just what this game is? Yeah, with, with having the Patriots and Falcons, I don't want to micromanage what they're doing drill to drill, but we do make things on my end, the schedule very tight. So like, hey, you only got 80 minutes here. That's all you have for practice. You got 80 minutes, four times in the week in a game on Thursday and one walkthrough. On, on Thursday morning. So I think by making a time constricted for these guys, it makes the practice much more efficient. Both teams did an awesome job, you know, breaking for team, come back for special teams, going to Indy, coming back and being really quick with what they're doing. And then these guys, these guys have a long week, right? It's eight o'clock in the morning is the first practice. You get back, you shower, you do your team meetings, then you meet with all 32 NFL teams. We had, I think, 60 executives here all week long. So you're on the whiteboard with those guys and in interviews and meetings. Then you're back to your, your Patriots or Falcons team and going to bed by eight o'clock. We're trying to keep these guys in bed by by eight and get eight nine ten hours of sleep but it's a long week it's exhausting for these guys and you know by monday or tuesday these guys just want to get out of the hotel and go get some in and out burger at that point because they're just trying to get away from this stuff for a minute but i think it's we finally kind of hit ahead here that now it's game these guys are kind of excited to play in the game too but no i, I i'll leave bill belichick and arthur smith to lead the coaching process i won't want to micromanage them too but we try to keep these guys time efficient because it's a long week and i think these guys can get overwhelmed by hour and a half of calisthenics like i heard some coaches are doing so Hey, by the way, in and out, in and out or Whataburger? In and out. No, no hesitation. I don't get that debate. It's all day. <laughs> it's not even close. I have my boy Braden Fajoko yeah. on here, uh, Chargers D tackle. I'm like Braden. He's like, no, in and out's the most overrated burger. I'm like, what? I, I, I'm lost here. Terrible lost. take. Uh, terrible, terrible take. Hey, uh, how do you compare this your game tonight and the week that's led up to it to the the guys that are reporting to the Senior Bowl? Uh, in Mobile, how how many of these scouts are just bouncing? So they get to your place, they watch a few practices, and then they're out of there to Mobile, Alabama. Are they? Is that how it kind of works? Because I saw a lot of yeah. same guys in FLPA in Pasadena. They I saw them in Vegas too a day later. So 
How does that work? Yeah, the, the, the scouts are, and NFL executives are going between all-star games. And I think that we'll have, you know, us and the senior bowl both have a, a ton of executives, ton of GMs there as well, because we've got similar talent. And, you know, I think our talent's better, but but obviously I'm biased. But I think we compare, I mean, first off, we're in Vegas, which is a pretty cool venue. I'm not going to compare it to Mobile, but I feel it pretty objectively might be better for these guys. And playing in an NFL stadium, the Legion Stadium, all week long in practice too. We're part of the Pro Bowl. Um, as well. So our Pro Bowl players and our players get to kind of be in the same area. We had our quarterbacks and our specialists do the Pro Bowl drills the other day. So that's pretty cool, too. So we got some hopefully some good player experience stuff for these guys as well, too. But being in Vegas, perfect conditions, NFL facility, NFL stadium, NFL Vegas hotel, which is incredible, too. So I, I think we had a pretty good event here. I don't want to compare it to anywhere else, but I feel pretty confident we're a best in class experience for our guys. And Trimble's going to have first round picks, second round picks, third round picks. The next Brock Purdy, Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. You always find those sleepers later on, too. So um, we have the best talent in the country, I think, and I think we have the best run all-star game, too. Yeah, by far, the, it was the best I've saw so far. Uh, I, I, I was impressed with the talent that you got to the game. Um, it's it, it's uh, Sean Payton goes to Denver. Um, yeah. Do you think he can be the guy to resurrect the, of Russell Wilson who had a seemingly bad year? I'm not going to judge Russell Wilson off one bad year. He's had some great ones. I thought he was a top five QB. He's been to two Super Bowls, arguably should have two rings. Uh, he's got one, though. Um, Deshaun Payton, uh, is he a guy that can resurrect Wilson with a great defense in Denver? And they get Patrick back at wideout. They, they seem like they have enough weapons. Uh, they got a good running game. They got a great defense. I think they wasted a defense this year. Uh, obviously, a coach that didn't even make it through a season. He's now in New, in New York with the Jets. Um, does uh, does Sean Payton get it going in Denver? Brian Dable did a heck of a lot as a coach inheriting that Giants team in one year. And that team had no business being a playoff team, but he coached them to the playoffs, right? Pretty rare we hear a coach doing that. But he, I think we all agree he coached that team to, yeah. to the playoffs. And I think if Sean Payton can do that, I think this Broncos team has more talent than the Giants team from a year ago. And you had a couple more pieces in Denver. Hey, not having first round picks tough, but the Niners didn't have three first round picks. Remember Trey Lance, who they're going to trade this offseason, and they still, you know, almost made the Super Bowl. So I think, well, first round picks a lot for Sean Payton. He's a heck of a coach. And I think we saw this year firsthand that, hey, if you've got a coach who can kind of be a difference maker even a little bit like Brian Dable is, why not the playoffs? And I, I always thought Russell Wilson, I mean, it's a new city, he's becoming a leader. It's a new locker. It was always going to be tough the first year. I, yeah. I didn't think it'd be as bad as it was, but like, like he's still a Hall of Famer, Russell Wilson. He's still a guy that can make 80% what he was in Seattle. That's still a guy that can win you games by himself. So I think we just find Denver. I think it's such a tough division. I mean, if Rodgers goes to the Raiders, you got Rodgers, you got Mahomes, you got Herbert. I mean, Russell Wilson's the clear fourth best quarterback in the division, and he's a Hall of Famer. So it'll be tough for Denver no matter what, but Sean Payne can make a difference, I think. I agree. Uh, Houston hires D'Amico Ryans, another defensive coach. We've seen defensive coaches fail there in Houston recently. They got, uh, you know, the, the Mills kid there, the quarterback that I think needs some uh, – he could be all right, but are they just going to draft another quarterback to try to fill those stands, get that money? Because at the end of the day, I don't believe they're making their roster better. I think they're struggling. A defensive coach is, is – uh, I think seven of the eight coaches in the NFL playoffs were offensive coordinators. The the final four is offensive coordinators. Uh, Super Bowl's offensive coordinators, offensive minded guys. Uh, did Houston make the right move going with a former player that knows the probably the front office? No, they know D'Amico. They know his uh, how who, you know his strengths and weaknesses. They made the hire probably from a gut instinct of a uh, type of decision. Uh, did Houston make the right choice? 
I think he's a heck of a coach to me going. Usually when you, when you hire a defensive coach, your first round picks an offensive guy, right? Or vice versa. So we'll see if that kind of tips their hand and taking a quarterback. I, I think Davis Mills is good. I think there's other quarterbacks in rounds two, round three, that could be a great fit in Houston too. I think Will Anderson's pretty special and so is Jalen Carter. And I think that defense in Houston is not far off from being maybe not as talented as Denver's defense is right now, which is why they could be successful. But you had Will Anderson or Jalen Carter there. It could be pretty impressive. And I'm confident the Bears will trade that first overall pick to someone desperate for a quarterback. And if you're like, you know what, let's rock with Davis Mills. Or maybe you go try to trade or sign Jimmy Garoppolo or get another quarterback in there and you add more to that defense with D'Amico Ryans and what he's done. I think that's a pretty smart move. I, I Again, I think sometimes we get too excited about like franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback. Like Davis Mills can be a playoff quarterback. Why not? Jimmy Garoppolo is a playoff quarterback. Why put all your eggs in one basket of Bryce Young, who I think is special, or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, when that could fail, and then you're shot of luck again, too. So, no, I, I think D'Amico's a great coach. I think it's about the staff he puts around him. But I think if, if I'm if I'm the Texans, I'm more looking at, like, hey, should we just take Will Anderson, maybe the next Miles Garrett, and have a defensive impact player versus trying to just, like, throw darts at a quarterback? This is kind of a, a – there's so many different mocks. I never listen to these or trust them. So, uh, you know, yeah. like, Houston taking Bryce Young at one. That means Chicago bumped up, right? And then uh, they, yeah. they got rid of that. I, you know – I love Bryce. I've I've been around him. I've got to be around him out here in SoCal. Um, like, small guy. We understand all that. I don't know if it's kind of trending that way now. I don't know. You got a lot of quarterbacks in the league right now that have just uh, – they're not the 6'6 Drew Bledsoe's anymore. They're just – that's not a yeah. thing anymore. Uh, but, again, I'm just worried that unless you go – even Mahomes had to back up Alex Smith and I think through osmosis even learned. Um, just like I think Jordan Love's learned from Aaron Rodgers sitting in, New, in in Green Bay. Just like I think Kyle Trask. I believe in Kyle. I recruited the kid out of high school, Manville High School in Houston, and he never even played in high school. Goes to Florida and is a Heisman candidate. Um, got to sit behind Brady the last three years. I think if he ends up being the guy, don't be surprised if he does well. I think that uh, these kids are getting thrown to the fire too quickly on bad franchises, and I don't think they ever recover. So I don't know if there's a quarterback out there. Your expertise, watching the draft, getting to evaluation this thing, evaluating this thing, uh, not only in your own deal, but you probably know all the players in the country that uh, you're trying to get into your enshrine game. Is there a hidden gem out there that plays quarterback? I, I, you know, I like Sam Hartfield, but he transfers. Uh, he's going to play another year. I like. I thought he was an NFL-ready type of guy. Uh, I like Bryce. I think Bryce is great. I, I, I like the fact that he was coached by Sark, a good friend of mine, and Bill O'Brien, who's going back to New England, it seems. Um, so I believe he's been around some NFL coaching. So I like him a little bit over C.J. Stroud, who's another SoCal native. Is there a guy out there that's like, all right, I think this guy's NFL ready, even if he goes to a bad franchise, which I don't know if that really exists or not, but is Bryce yeah. Young the guy or is there another guy out there? I know Will Levis I, can throw it all over the park. I know Will Will can throw it, but I don't know if he's the guy either mentally as the other it factor. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think the, ter- the the concept of franchise quarterback is is just asking for failure, right? Again, I go back to all the time, but like if you're trying to like this is the guy now. It, you're 40% hit rate in the first round, right? Trey Lance, Zach Wilson will be on different teams next year, most likely, right? And that's just two years ago. So I think sometimes we build these guys up. Can Bryce Young save the Texans? No, he cannot save the Texans. Spoiler, no quarterback the Texans by draft is going to save the Texans right. franchise. It's going to be the offense around them, the skill players, the defense, and then if that quarterback can just not make mistakes. So I think there are a lot of guys. I think we're going to start seeing some teams that pass on quarterbacks early, like I said, and find 
the next Brock Purdy, right? Dorian Thompson Robinson of UCLA is a guy who's played a ton of football, 30 plus starts in college. He knows he's seen the defenses in Oregon. He's seen you know some of the best defensive players in all the country. He's played against those guys. He could be a backup in the NFL, a starter in the NFL, and be just fine. Why can't he be an NFL starter? So I think we're so allured by like who has the biggest arm. All right, they're the top 10 picks. And that's not what makes Bryce special. It's not what makes Tom Brady special. It's not what makes a lot of these guys special too. So you know, in terms of like draft picks, like, hey, would I trust a lot of these first-round quarterbacks? I'm not sure I trust them, and I'd rather go with a stud defensive player, stud offensive lineman, stud receiver, maybe take a guy like Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Aiden O'Connell, find the next Brock Purdy, and just keep kicking the can a little bit because you don't need elite talent at quarterback in today's NFL, right? Joe Burrow is fantastic, but he benefits from Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, all this talent. Every team's got two or three guys that can be – number one receivers back 10 years ago. So I think it's more about finding guys that cannot screw things up and not look for this franchise changing guy. I think Bryce could be that guy, but like I mentioned a couple other guys that like, Hey, if not Bryce, why not wait till round two, round three, take a guy that could be your starter next year for sitting for a year or two, because these guys are thrown to the fire expectations. And then one thing, one, one thing goes wrong. These guys are done. Hey, you, are you with me on this or against me on this, which is makes great conversation either way. I think these cats are getting anointed too quickly. I think we're giving yep. them the keys to the car too quickly before they ever learn to drive. $250 million to a Kyler Murray or to any of some of these guys. And to me, I'm like, dude, I wouldn't give that guy a squirt of piss, but that's me. These guys are making a lot of money, man, to not be able to know who's hot, safety rotation, coverage, protection. Uh, I To me, it's like, hold up. And then to be a shitbird on the sideline, throw their head coach under the bus who brought you there, who fought for you in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Like, I don't know. Are are, are these guys getting so much money to where they really don't care? that The investment is just not what it used to be. This is not about a love for football thing anymore. This is about to get their their bag, their proverbial bag, they call it, and go to Dubai. Like, I don't see yeah. them working like Tom Brady used to work. I don't see them working like the old school mentality is I'm trying to earn this money. They're getting the money up front without ever having to prove their worth. So I'm like, First what, off, I'm ha- these, these what guys can get their money. I'm, means, Eric? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with these guys getting their money. First off, get paid, get your money. But in terms of building a franchise, it's a great question. And I think, you know, you know the high school landscape, the youth landscape better than I do. So all these guys have been – the guy and stars and sometimes they lose two three games a year in their whole high school career these guys haven't experienced failure and some of the best quarterbacks think coming out now guy have we have here Aiden O'Connell was a walk-on right he was not he didn't think he was going to be here so he's got that humbleness that drive that desire to be great because he knows how quickly it can end I think a lot of quarterbacks through elite 11 through college go to a big program right guys like Kyler Murray who's a, big, a, a talented quarterback for short you know lost only a couple games in his high school college career like give me the guy that's lost a lot that wants to be here still sometimes because those guys are going to want to be here for the, for I think a great reason as well too. So I think the background of these guys matters so much more than the talent, but again, it's really easy to be like that guy did this in college. He's this talented. He's going to do this in the NFL. And it's more about dealing with adversity than it is about who you were in the past. I think not a lot of quarterbacks growing up have dealt with that adversity. And sometimes again, I'd rather a guy who feels like I'm better than the 10 guys drafted ahead of me than the guy that was first overall pick sometimes. That's why I think we we're still misevaluating quarterbacks a little bit based off traits needs to be about what have you done to handle adversity? Can you handle these things? Because those guys are going to be grateful just to be in the NFL, not to mention getting paid when they end up due. Yeah, I just, I'm just like, man, I'm watching these kids every day, and I'm just like, God damn, they're paying these guys so much damn money, and they 
like where are they? Yeah. They're not even there to be. You can't find them when you need them. You 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 don't win big games. Like Josh Allen, we know is a freaking nature California JUCO kid. I mean, great talent. And I, I'm I've been saying I'm like, is he overrated or is he overvalued? Like there's a overvalue going on that no one's talking about either. I think we're overvaluing a lot of these cats because of what they are bringing to the table athletically. And uh, I don't think we're really putting into perspective the fact that these cats can't ID coverage. They don't understand where the mic is, how to set protection, get out of it. You only really see a few guys going to the line of scrimmage anymore. Back in our day, everybody, everyone, every quarterback was at the line of scrimmage calling out some shit, changing something, oppositing something, changing the protection. We don't see it no more. It's because we're taking the college card game to the NFL so these guys can be comfortable, I guess. That's th- that's some things yeah. that a bunch of my buddies in the NFL are coaching tell me. They're like, man, we're trying to make these cats comfortable because that's who's getting the big money. And I'm like, man, screw that shit. I'm like, let's teach these cats something. Like, I- I'm just confused. Yeah. I don't know why, th- where this changed, but it has. And unfortunately, um, it-, it is what it is, man. These guys are going to make big money and – I don't know, Eric, I just see it hurting coaches. Like the, the coaches yeah. that are walking the sideline aren't the same no more. Like we got the analytic side of this thing with Staley and McDaniels and Dan and all this, and then less and less Belichick's, Parcells, Bill Cowers uh, exist. Uh, I don't know. Andy Reid leaves. You're down one more. If he, ever, if he gets out soon. Uh, you lost Bruce Arians last year. The, the, the hard-nosed guy walking the sideline just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's just changing, man. You gotta, I guess you got to adapt or die, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think, uh, I think the NBA has seen a problem, right, where you're trying to be more of a, of a handhold and babysitter for some of these guys and not actually push them. And I, think we'll, I think we'll see a shift in that back, too. Hopefully, you know, hard coaching, whatever it is, what it is. But I think we need to – Gotta have these guys kind of fit to a system too. And again, less about traits, more about can you handle things, can you handle a playbook, and can you handle adversity? And I think a lot of these guys coming out of high school and college, again, you know better than I would. I don't even handle a lot of adversity growing up. And when I hear about a kid who's handled adversity and has some talent, that's when I get excited, right? The talent's there. I can evaluate, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stratton, who haven't lost many games in their college high school career. But I want to know if these guys can handle adversity because I've seen other guys handle some shit. No doubt. So what do you do in the offseason? So you, 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 do you work on this Wait. game right here this week that we just passed for this final product tonight, yep. 830 Eastern, 530 Pacific, NFL Network. Don't miss this game. Everyone watch it. Um, do you work on this game all year round, or you got other shit you do during the year? No, I do some consulting in the offseason a little bit um, with some teams in the league and, and some people outside of it as well, too. But largely, it's it's year-round. It's a year-round job making sure the event goes smoothly, evaluating the players, working with NFL teams for who they want to see, improving the event, obviously having our two NFL coaching staff. So it's year-round. So I'll take it easy, go to the combine, um, do my job there, and then take a nap in March and be ready to go for April for the 2024 Shrine Bowl. Man, uh, commend you, man. Kudos to what you do and uh, great, great products you put on the field. And uh, I hope it goes well tonight. Um, I'll be watching, man, and uh, watching some of those kids. Um, it's good, man. I got hope, man. Eric, before you get out of here, I got hope. I, a bunch of players on the both sides came running over there and wanted to take a picture with me and talk to me. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad. So you, you don't mind getting motherfucked, huh? He's like, hell no, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, good, good shit. Some of these soft cats can't handle it. Um, yeah. Hey, man, if you ever need a guy to go recruit you some talent, hit me up. (laughs) We'll talk soon, buddy. I appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Thanks, man. Take care, Eric. Later. Eric Galco, uh, 
right there from Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, uh, 8.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 Eastern on NFL Network, the East-West Shrine game tonight in Vegas. Watch it. Pretty damn good talent was out there. I saw some good talent um, during uh, the practices last week. So uh, appreciate him jumping on and uh, chopping it up with me. And uh, can't thank him enough. Steve Kim joins me here in about five minutes. Uh, can't wait to get his take on the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams uh, take and uh, where Jimmy G ends up. We're going to find out where Jimmy G ends up. Um, can't wait for that one. And last chance Q tonight. Um, don't miss it as uh, I will be on with Sean Salisbury. We're going to be breaking down some more Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Man, we got two hours left here this morning. Uh, Matt McChesney is going to join me as well, talk about the move Sean Payton's going to make to Denver. Is that affecting Russell Wilson and uh, how that affects that big-time move? Uh, we're going to find that out. Um, can't wait for that one. And uh, is what it is. Hey, I'll be right back. Two minutes. I'm going to get a coffee and take a piss. I'll be back in two minutes. Pound that like button. Don't go anywhere. Great show on the other side. We all grew up together out here, so um, – you know, I hope Eric gets a shot, man. I, the people, the, you know, they hired a dude. The Eagles hire, old boy. This motherfucker can't even speak on the damn mic. Like, and they're saying Eric don't interview well. Like, well, shit, he still deserves a shot to say he failed or he proved himself. Like, this dude's getting a shot. He can't even speak. You know, you know, oh, when man. people don't interview well, that means they're not speaking your language. No, that's exactly right. I was about to say the like, same shit. Hell yeah, like, you're right. Like, like when they say, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't know what they're saying. We ain't speaking to say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you understand? Nah, yeah. I don't understand. That's basically what they're saying. Hell yeah, that's what it is, man. And like I said, until we get some black owners in there, man, to get some black GMs, we got to – it's just one of them things, man. I've had multiple people on talking about it. It's just – it's a shitty thing. We got this Rooney rule, and I don't know if you agree. I, you know, it's controversial. I've had Marcellus Wiley on. We grew up together as well, man, and Larry Allen and, and def different dudes in Compton. And we were talking about this, man, before I let you get out of here. I'm like, you know, man, if I was Marvin Jones or Marvin Lewis, who who took these token interviews with the Cowboys last year and a couple other dudes, and I know Marvin a little bit. Marvin's a great dude. He was at Arizona State last year. But I would be like, Marvin, fuck him. Don't, don't, don't interview. Don't take the interview. Because you know, and it's hard to do, though. And he, and he told me, he's like, JB, it's hard to do for the young brothers, though, coming up. Because if the young brothers see me turn it down, then – they don't have a shot, and I, and it's just in a horrible catch twenty two situation, man. And I just think that it's a uh, JB. It's let's hard. be real. Let's be real. I love Marvin, but Marvin got to know these people ain't hiring his ass, man. That's what I said. Come on, <laughs> Marvin, man. You, you understand? You got the longest tenure for a losing coach in Cincinnati, a black losing coach. Yeah, so what? Shit, 12, 15 years, damn near. Come on, man. You you not you're not getting that. You're not getting that. That's exactly not, right. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect timing. We're back. Does Aaron Rodgers end up in Vegas? Shout out to Eric um, for joining me, uh, talking about the uh, Shrine Game. You got some insight. Uh, Eric Galco, director of East-West Shrine Game, who plays tonight on NFL Network. Don't miss the game. It will be pretty good football in uh, the wintertime, uh, a little prelude to the Super Bowl 
and next year's teams that you follow. Make sure you head on over there to NFL Network tonight, 5.30 p.m. Sean Salisbury and I will be on uh, breaking down some film, and we are thinking about possibly doing a live watch party for that game on NFL Network just to show um, the quarterback play. And um, so it'll be big. We'll see. Um. Um, Joe Rogan's dad calls him out. If you haven't seen the video, it's fucking comical. It is comical. Uh, Steve Kim's going to join me. I got some real shit. I got to ask the ladies in the house. Um, Matt will join us after Steve Kim. I got to ask some ladies in the house. Ladies, I got to ask you guys something real quick. All right. Um, is this true or not? Hey, Brian Martinez, is this true or not? Bitches want a guy with a big dick and money. And I'm like, well, no. You need a tighter pussy and a fucking job. <laughs> Y'all want a big dick and more money. Well, guess what? I want a bitch with no fake ass and no fucking filter and real lips and real tits. Can a man ask for something? Like, I'm confused. What the fuck's cracking here? Is this a true statement or not? Men, women, come on in, chime in. I got to ask. I couldn't ask that question with Eric on, but let's keep it real. Um, that's real shit. Stop bullshitting. That's real shit. All you guys need to fucking stop playing with the fake booty and the fake titties and shit. I want real shit. And, uh, hey, y'all want, 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 want. What the fuck? What do we get, motherfucker? What the fuck do we get? Shit. Get the fuck out of here. Um, Good luck finding a tight one. That's kind of fucked up. Lucy, come on. We know there's tight ones still out there. Um, By the way, it is a, I don't know what to call it, um, fallacy, I would say. I'm going to use technical words today. I believe it's a fallacy to say that the vagina gets worn out by the amount of penis it inhales. <laughs> it is a muscle. It does put out a kid with a cranium on it like mine. So it can adapt and overcome. I believe the vagina adapts or dies. So don't get it twisted. Don't believe the hype about the vagina being loose and all that shit. I believe it's like uh God has touched men with either big penis or small penis. I believe it's the same with women. They either have a Good pussy or a bad pussy? Let's just keep it real. All women don't... I hate to hear the guy that comes out and says, Oh, man, pussy's pussy. No, then you haven't had enough. <laughs> Any guy that says pussy's pussy hasn't had enough. 
Shut the fuck up. No, it's not. And any girl that says, well, dick's dick. No, it's not. Ask a girl. She's not going to tell you that your little ass wee-wee is enough. It's not. So stop lying to each other out here at Walmart. Stop lying to each other. All penis ain't the same. All vagina ain't the same. Keep it 100. It ain't the same, people. Quit lying to each other. I've left people and said, damn, she got some bomb pussy. And I've left and saying, damn, her shit needs to be sewn up. <laughs> oh, shit, man. What, what happened to me, like Sean Salisbury says? Um, some of you women's shit needs to be sewn up, though. I got to just keep it real. Just sew it up, open up the ass. Sew it up, open up the ass. Fuck it. Open your ass up more, sew that shit up, get good with your mouth, and I, I, shit, I might fuck around and marry your ass. <laughs> By the way, the amount of women that know how to perform uh, fellatio, as you want to call it, or oral, is very it's 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 a diamond dozen dog. It's far and few between. They're not very good. Steve Kim, is your is your Moose Mobile working today? Uh, <laughs> I hope so. How you doing? Good morning. What's up, man? I just had uh I just had the uh, director of the East West Shrine Game on Eric uh, Eric Galco. He's a good dude. I got to hang out with him. And he, he he you know he got Bill Belichick to coach in this uh, game. It's on tonight, Steve. If you want to watch some pretty good football, it, it should be a pretty much a precursor to any of your favorite team players. I got to hang out with them uh, last weekend in Vegas. The game's on tonight on NFL Network at 5.30 our time. Um, there's some good players in it. Belichick's coaching one side. Arthur Smith's coaching the other side. Their staffs are coaching in it. Um, so it's a better ran situation than most of these all-star games. And, and, and then before you get to the Senior Bowl in Mobile this week, uh, this game tonight is a good one in Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. Um, you might find a couple gems you like for whatever team you follow, but make sure you guys follow that and watch that tonight. Eric Galco, a good dude who's the director of the East-West Shrine game. He was the one that started the he, – he was the CFO of the, of the relaunch of the XFL a few years ago before COVID killed it. So he's – He's done a good job. Yeah, Coach, you know what's interesting? I remember in the 80s, all the way up to about the 90s, there used to be a thing called the Blue-Gray Game. Remember? Oh, yeah, right around Christmas. And that would be for all the players whose teams didn't really make the bowl game. Yes. Back when there was only about 16 to 25 bowl games. And then there used to be the Shrine Game up in Palo Alto. I remember that game. Yes. And then there was the, I think, the Hula Bowl or the Aloha Bowl. They, they went to the same stadium as the Pro Bowl, University of Hawaii. And then there was the Senior Bowl. That, that's what I remember, you know. Um, I, I'm actually surprised that this many players agree to play to the game now, nowadays. You know, it's all about player empowerment. We don't want to get hurt. Not, I'm glad at least these players are forced to play. But they're only forced to play because it's a job interview. Because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm an NFL team and all you want to do in this setting is I just want to work out an interview, I'd be like, okay, what's your name, son? Yeah, red marker X. See ya. <laughs> You're off my draft board. 
I, yeah, I don't know. You know why? Because they know now a lot of them either missed, the, missed their game uh, in college bowl game or opted out of the shitty regular season fucking, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, who was it? Uh, what's the funny? What is the bowl game that sticks out to you? The name of the bowl game that sticks out the most? It's the guy that's the fucking uh, the, the, the nighttime uh, talk show guy. Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. The fucking Jimmy Kimmel Bowl just sticks out to you, right? Like, who's going and playing in that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I think these kids know they have to go in these games right here because of who's coaching it. Like, yeah. if you're if you're anyone with any type of sense and you play college football and Belichick is coaching the team, I would think you're going to get a pretty good amount of talented kids to come play in that game to impress him and his staff. That's just me. Coach, if if you were if you were in that position and you saw a guy sit out a bowl game, um here's the th- here's the issue. In the National Football League, you are going to have seasons where things aren't going well. You're not gonna make the playoffs, you're not gonna reach your goals. My view is this, and I know there's an injury factor, and you're not theoretically getting paid as a professional. You're going to be asked to plan games that are quote unquote meaningless at the next level. What's your approach going to be? Is it just about the money? I, I see that I'm very suspicious of players if it's just about the money. Like, let me give you an example. Uh, Jalen Rashada, the quarterback out of Northern California, he's on his third school. He was at Florida, then Miami, then Florida, and Arizona State. And here's the funny part everything was about the NIL. And his father got involved. I think there was like an auction. Reminded me a lot of boxing with a certain with certain fathers that put their sons up for sale. And then, get this coach. He finally signs on the dotted line with Arizona State. <laughs> on his message, he said, dream school. Really? How many guys go to their third school and say, boy, this is my dream school? Hold on, Steve. I, 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 I was going to bring him up today. <clears throat> I was bringing him up today. And I'm glad you brought it up. Not see that's not what I got out of it. I didn't take the dream school part out of it. I saw what you saw. I saw the dream school thing, and I'm laughing at that, right? But I kept reading the bigger slap in the face to not only the profession in totality, but these kids and the grown up who believes them is the second statement the kid made. Going to where my dad played. Going to where the coach who has always had my back, that is where I'm going. And I'm sitting there like, the coach who always had your back? Then why the fuck you didn't go there from the jump? Right. I mean, why wasn't he committed to Oregon and then flipped his pledge to Arizona State? And you know what's interesting? When he committed to Miami over the summer, there was a little bit of a surprise. So Miami had two quarterbacks. They had Emory Williams, a good, solid, kind of a three-star, but you kind of know where his floor is. He's got a little bit of ability. Jalen was the more highly touted guy. But I thought a lot of Miami fans thought it was suspicious, Coach. Throughout the season, all the other players in that eventual recruiting class, for the most part, were tweeting throughout the year, hey, we're going to Miami on this visit. We're coming in for an official visit this week. And, hey, we're going to watch our Hurricanes. Good luck to our fellas. We'll be there. He was the one guy that never tweeted anything. So, like I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There's a fine line between a mercenary and a soldier. 
Okay, mercenaries fight battles, soldiers win wars. And my advice to all high school kids and their parents is, yes, there's NIL money. Get the best deal you can. But bottom line, you still have to go to the school that you want to. And I said this in a space a couple of weeks ago, Miami Hurricane space, in regards to Rashada. The problem with a young man like him at any program is, Coach, if it's only about the money, you know what the problem is? Every year, if he's if he turns out to be really good, you're going to have to re-recruit and re-bid for him. Because if that was the circus before he got there and did anything, what's it going to be when he actually produces? What's the commitment to the program? I'm going to take it a step further. The comment that I'm going to wear my co- the coach who had my back the entire time. The head coach <laughs> at Arizona State is a, is a kid I know well. And I say kid. He's a 30-year-old head coach. Um, he's been in my office many moons, many times. We've talked a lot of times. Uh, this is the problem. And I like the kid. But this is the problem. If it was me, Steve... Let me let me ask you something. Uh, just just by knowing me the short time you've known me. If this were me at the head coach at Arizona State, do you th- uh, yes or no? Do you think I take this kid? I think he has to. It's Arizona State. No, it, it just in regards to me, if I'm the head coach at Arizona State. Oh, I know you, you wouldn't. Fuck no. You know what? No, but hey coach, I, because, wait, let's be honest. Hey coach, Jalen Rashada wasn't wrong. Like, hey, Dilling had my back. Well, I never had his back. <laughs> he That's didn't lie. Point. That's my point. And I'm like, wait up, though. I'm not going to take your ass. And it's it's not just because of a dick measuring contest, Steve. It's not an ego thing. You know what it is? It's got to change. Somebody has to change this landscape of how this thing direction is going. And the ball has to be like, Detoured a little bit. The ball's just rolling downhill right now. And it's player no, empowerment. And look, it's player empowerment and it's coaches who accept it and allow it instead yeah, of Yeah, but hey, hey, at what point is player empowerment coach emasculation? Um it's been already. Mario I think Christ- that's where we're at right now. Look, Mario Cristobal has a problem at Miami. There's a culture problem. We have a lot of players who thought football was easy and it's always supposed to be fun. And they're there for the wrong reasons. Honestly, I saw games last year. Where I saw guys that that guy doesn't want to play football. That guy just wants to be an Instagram model. Um, and I said, there's a culture issue. There comes a point where you don't want certain players, no matter how good they are, you know. And Rashada strikes me as a guy who's always going to look at Arizona State like I'm doing you a favor. I'm Jalen Rashada, four-star quarterback exactly. from Pittsburgh, California. Exactly. And uh, if I have a good year, and if Lincoln Riley does his usual offseason poaching, and he has an opening at quarterback, uh, if Malachi Nelson doesn't work out, I'd be very uneasy hitch- hitching my wagon to that guy. I would be. But That's let me ask you: Is that not what? Like, this is kind of where I'm tra- where I, where I'm getting at. Like, this is the issue. Who's going to stop it? Because if if Dillingham said no. You, right. you fucked me. You chose to go to fucking two other schools above me. So I had your back. You didn't have mine, like you said. And then the next guy has to say no. Oh, like, they won't, though. Coach, this is just like boxing. I see this a lot, and it frustrates a lot of trainers. Let's say you're, you, you train this kid from eight years old on all the way to, like, 25. 
So amateur to world champion, you're making millions of dollars. And then all of a sudden it becomes a hey, coach. Um, I can't give you your 10% because I'm making so much money. And, and, and trainers always say, you know what? When you're making $500, I don't even take my 50 bucks. I give it back to you because you're making so little money. And now when you're making a lot of money, you want to cut my pay after all the hours that were basically unpaid, all the times I took you to the gym, all the equipment I bought, all the registration fee for tournaments, all the times that I housed you and fed you out of my pocket. Now that you're making millions, you don't want to see me get 10%. So here's what happens, which is really bad. They will then leave the trainer or the trainer, if they have enough guts, will say, you, I'm out of here. There'll always be another trainer that'll say, well, wait a minute. I'll just take 5% or a set fee. There's no honor. Hey, let me ask you something. There's no honor. A couple of years ago when COVID hit, COVID hit and the, and the Pac-12 was going to boycott. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this or not. The players well, they weren't going to play football like, then or the Big Ten. Yeah, the players were going to boycott and I had players playing. And I, I had Coy Dang, one of the best players in the Pac-12, who's with the Falcons right now, played for me at, at, at Indy on the show. Had him, had him on my show, and I said, listen, Coy, you got to understand something. You guys are boycotting the Pac-12 to play because coaches make too much money? That is what you guys are saying? And I'm sitting there like, hold on, dog. When did it become an 18, 19, 20-year-old's provide, uh Provocative, or or let me ask you this: When has it become their business to control the narrative of a grown yeah. folk putting food on the plate of their family? And well, that was four years ago, almost, Steve. And look what's happened in that three and three and a half year well, span. Now well, we have full on player empowerment, and we allow them to dictate coaches' salaries. Yeah, you coach, sitting me. Let's look at that. What happened? There was a group of players, I think, a coalition that. We're getting together, and, and I think the media really wanted this to happen because they wanted everything shut down, the mainstream media. And But it turns out a lot of other players said, no, 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 wait a minute, we want to play. Wait a minute, what are you doing here? The two players that I'll always have a lot of respect for, because I think they spearheaded the vocal majority that actually wanted to play football, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. They both said, no, 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 wait. And they had a lot to lose. They were first-round draft choices. They were quarterbacks. They could have stood out, but they said, wait a minute. We like football. Football's been good to us. We actually like our universities. Things are right, be better. Right, this year. Right. They're, they're not perfect, but we can be – because that was before full-blown NIL. But you're right. The media spearheaded it, and what happened was, as soon as the SEC said, uh, football's important – you other jabronis, you can go out there and play lacrosse. You can have a little spring football. We're going to play. And then the rest of the country said, oh, hold on, wait a minute. We're already falling behind here in football. We can't let them play. Then Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, he was basically forced to say, okay, we're going to have a season. Pac-12 had to join in because I think they realized whoever did not play football that season as a conference, recruits were going to say, you don't take football seriously. See. That whole coalition thing is interesting is like, at what point do young men who are still kids, for the most part, um, you don't go into college to make a living. You go into college to help set yourself up for the rest of your lives. And I think it has to be this stark reality-based conversation. And I've said this 
um, on other spaces relating to Miami football where they, they tell kids, if you don't make the NFL, you failed at life and you're a bust. I think that's completely wrong. The, the more realistic goal is use football to further your education as soon as possible. That football does not have to be your number one priority. I've said this. If you go into college with a four-year scholarship and you are bitter because you did not make the league, a lot of that is on you, though. If you did not graduate, if you didn't choose a real major, and if you didn't make at least 10 friends or contacts that have nothing to do with football that will help you attain other things in life, like your job or referral, having a network of people. So this is a, this is a really a complicated situation where when you get a football scholarship, and you want to go through that experience. And if you want, really want to make a 50-year decision and not a four-year decision, it can't just be either I make the NFL or I'm bitter at the game. I'll, I'll go back to boxing. I've seen so many fighters who made millions of dollars blow their money on cars, five baby mamas, three divorces, four houses, all a lot of jewelry, and they blame boxing. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I feel like asking them, did, did you ever even hang and fed you? Right. Okay. During this whole stretch, when you're making millions of dollars, did you do anything as simple as setting up a Roth IRA? Did you ever set up a tax shelter? Is it just boxing's fault that you're not in the financial situation you should be? But I'm just telling you, now that we have the NIL, as flawed as it is, at least players are now getting some money. And some of them are getting big money. And my view is this. The institutions should realize that for the most part, they will outlast the players. Just go on with your games. If the kids want to quit, fine, go ahead. Go out into the real world. Good luck. The games will move on with or without you. No, I agree. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Joe Rogan's dad calling him out and his sister and his brother. They said that you're full of shit. You're a liar. You lied on us. You made all this money. You basically said my dad, um, the dad called him out. He's 83-year-old Italian dude just basically telling Joe Rogan. He's like, hey, when you find some balls, call me. <laughs> wow. So that thing's gone Aaron Rodgers. Huh. Yeah, it's gone Aaron Rodgers. It's pretty bad. Uh, his whole family, his sister and his brother, came out to defend the dad and telling that Joe Rogan lied. And they showed Joe Rogan clips years ago when he was young talking about his dad was an asshole, beat his mom, and all this. And they're like, he never touched our mom. Oh. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know nothing about uh, Joe Rogan like that. So uh, where, where's Joe Rogan's boxing part of this ever? I'm confused. Well, he's a fan. I don't know if he ever boxed, uh, but he knows his boxing. And, and his podcast, which is an absolute titan of a franchise, he's had boxers on. He, he's, he's actually pretty knowledgeable. And he mm -hmm. trains. Like, he's not a type of guy you'd mess with in a bar on a drunken night. He, he knows how to handle himself. But he's a, he, he's a knowledgeable guy. I don't know if he'd be knowledgeable enough to – well, I, I would take that back. If he wanted to focus in on boxing and let's do a boxing-specific show – he has enough of a foundation, and he's watched enough of it, and I think he likes it enough. He'd be good over time. I, I respect what he does, but how much you want to make a bet? A lot of this has to do with the fact maybe he hasn't paid enough bills. Maybe he hasn't helped enough. How many, how many players have you had, Coach, that have made the upper crust, and they break up with their families because not everyone gets a car. They don't pay for your uh, Uncle Ray Ray's um, record label. I'm Ryan, one of how, them. how many situations have you heard about that? I'm one of them. What do you mean? Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. No, I, no doubt. That's why. That's why I came out this morning on the show. I'm like, 
Look, I don't know enough about it, but I know that you call your brother who's made a lot of success. He's a lot of money and he's powerful now. You call him a cloud chaser as you do a TikTok. <laughs> right. Like you're chasing clout doing a fucking TikTok. Like if you can't get this dude to sit down with you privately, then I don't believe it's real. Yeah, so I, I never knew about all this. I don't really watch Joe Rogan. I've seen a few clips. I, I do respect him, though. Uh, he's a renegade. Hey, he's a guy that's uh, willing to swim upstream, if you will, and say things that are ruffle feathers. But, yeah, a lot of these situations with celebrities, especially athletes, so I'm just, I've heard so many stories that, that if, if you don't buy your mama a big enough house, you don't get your brother a car or make him part of your security team, you don't pick up dinner for 84 people at the family reunion, uh, going to the, uh, you know, Cheesecake Factory, then you're like, you don't know where you came from. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's unbelievable. The uh, Okay, so look, we got this thing going around this. Devontae Adams posting these mm. cryptic tweets. Uh, you know, which neighborhood Aaron Rodgers living in? Is he buying a house in Summerland? da 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 um, huh. I just had... Uh, Eric Galco on. He lives, he's in Vegas. He's got the game tonight at, at, at 5 30, uh, the, the Shrine game. What do you take from that? I do not see him now going to the Niners or any other NFC team. I don't think Green Bay will trade him to an NFC team or especially a rival like the Niners who they cannot beat. Um, I do see a Raiders being a very viable uh, spot for him. Um, I don't really see any other team. If I was a betting man, I'd probably bet the Raiders, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up in uh, in New York either. Yeah, didn't Rodgers – I read something that he may have told Pat McAfee, I'm willing to restructure my contract to stay at Green Bay. I don't know how real that is. Here's the issue. Since he's under contract and he ends a $50 million contract, right, isn't that a significant hit? a cap hit for any team that takes him on. Don't you have to strip away parts? So the Raiders on the surface look like a very natural fit because as I told Whitlock, that would be peaches and herb with Devontae Adams. Reunited and it feels so good, but here's the issue. What if you have to strip away other parts? And let's be honest, Devontae Adams was really good last year, as usual, piled up numbers. But who was really their best offensive player week to week? Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Can you possibly re-sign him? I mean, most of the Raiders fans seem to think that there was a foregone conclusion he was not going to come back. And as much as I like Rodgers, as skilled as he still is, I think there was a slight erosion given his age. And how do you make up for that, though? Have a strong running game. Let the guy hand the ball off 30 to 35 times and be able to set up second and four consistently, and then you run play action. But... I've seen, I'm not, we've talked about it. I don't know if Rodgers even wants to be that guy that has to chuck the ball 45, 50 times and you say, Aaron, be Superman. That's a difficult way to play quarterback. So I don't know. I still think, believe it or not, even though it felt like the end when we were watching the Lions game about a month ago, the best situation might still be Green Bay, believe it or not. Get an offseason with uh, the big tall kid, Watson. And then you also have Romeo Dobbs. You have a good pair of running backs. Get the offensive line healthy again. But who knows? Aaron Aaron marches to the beat of his own marching band. Yeah, and I'm I, and I'm starting to think that I think both parties are now looking at each other side eye. Like, wait up, 
you cheated on me, motherfucker. You cheated on me. I'm out. It's like the wife that they're hanging on. The husband and wife's hanging on. They live together and shit, but they really aren't together. I think I get that take from it. I think he's got to go. I think he's got to yeah. move on. That's my take. I don't know. Um, we'll see. And, and guess what, Steve? They make a comment today. Jordan Love made real progress. So you don't yeah. say that unless you're like. And we like what we saw to Jordan Love. Yeah. We, I mean, you were actually impressed. And in the, in the, the snippets, you're like, this guy looks like he knows where to deliver the ball. Um, and there comes a time when all good things must come to an end. And I just, you know, look, LaFleur has actually won some games, to be fair. I'm not a LaFleur fan, but they've won double-digit number of games, two out of his first three years or something, and they get blown away in the playoffs or they lose at home. I just get the sense that Rodgers – wants and needs a fresh start. Now, I don't know what the cap casualty will be. The New York Jets are interesting because you have Brees Hall, who's going to come back next year, and, and hopefully he'll be back to what he was. He looks like a real stalwart in the backfield. Home run hitter. You got Garrett Wilson, who looks like a legitimate number one. I mean, he had over a 1,000 yards, Coach, with that quarterback situation. They got good wideouts. Yes, they actually have a good crew, believe it or not. They played really good defense with that coach. And New York, if there's a guy that would love that, start spreading the news. I think the Jets are probably, I think, the best situation for him from a pure football perspective. But let me give you, let me ask you something. Throughout history, throughout as a player, as a competitor, as a guy, um, you know, Devontae Adams on Twitter now saying, I'm ask, I'm answering 15 questions, ask me anything. So he's created a, tweeter, a Twitter uh, line out here. Um, let me ask you, let me, let me, let me, let me give you a little, let me ask you a question. You just said, a, a, you made a statement. Aaron Rodgers has digressed a little, it looks like, right. at 39. What is the one common denominator that you saw in a Tom Brady who was 44 or 43 when he came to the Bucks? Um, Aaron's 39, pushing 40. It's a rejuvenation. Rejuvenation is a common theme when it comes to a thing we like to call adrenaline. And you get into a new place, your back's against the wall, adrenaline's flowing. You got a great wideout, a tight end, Renfro, who's a great route runner. If you can keep Jacobs, you got a pretty damn good defense, one of the best pass rushers in football. Max Crosby, who called out Bosa, by the way, yesterday, if you haven't seen that clip, pretty funny. Um, I don't know, man. I think coming home to the West Coast, being comfortable, being able to play golf 12 months a year is crucial to him. And I think he wants to play golf, live, you know, he, he loves Vegas. Um, I can see him wanting to play, not deal with snow, weather, etc. Stay on the West Coast, play in a league, arguably, with a guy – has unproven in, in L.A. and the Chargers. Mahomes, who knows what happens to that roster. And Denver is a rebuild, basically, with Sean Payton. Who I, I don't know, man. Raiders seem like a decent situation. Yeah. It, no, it is. There are parts. But this has to be said about Aaron Rodgers. It, whatever team he goes to, He's got to be a better off-season quarterback. And I don't mean just showing up to the mandatory stuff. 
in my view, he's done a poor job of nurturing young players. Like, you got to be that guy that has group text and say, hey, guys, I'm going to fly you out here. Let's throw. Let's get to know each other. So by the time we get to training camp, we fit like a glove. Aaron, put away for one year, going to the Himalayas, up into the mountains, and, and acting like you're a Tibetan monk and smoking reefer and going – act like a damn football player. Just for one year, try to be like everyone else and get together and say, look, guys, I'm going to pay your way here. I'm going to pay all your meals. We're going to run routes. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to learn the offense. I'm going to spend more time in that building than I ever have because I want to get to know you. I want to be your leader. But if it's just going to be the same Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy, doing this, doing that, I'm going to be like, what is this? Because there's one missing component of what has been an otherwise sterling career. Coach, he needs another Lombardi trophy in his case. Hell yeah. It just seems very incomplete if he only has one with only one Super Bowl appearance. Because Steve Mahomes gets his win this next week. He's, He's already more him. than him. By far. I mean. Third Super Bowl know, already uh, in five years, Coach. I, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm the same way with the Packer Jordan Love backing up Rodgers for the last five years or whatever. I have a true belief. Kyle Trask in Tampa, being behind Brady mm. for three years. I think he's going to be well. I recruited him out of high school. He's a big-time dude, I think, if if he ends Coach, up. here's the problem with Trask. Tampa Bay might be a full rebuild, though. Might be. I, I mean, you don't have a lot of speed outside. Mike Evans is still very productive, but he's getting to the point where, hey, he's been around a while. Um, Your offensive line, maybe just being healthier will make it better. Because, look, they lost key parts. Well, Christian Wolfs. Wolfs and Jensen. So if those guys are healthy, okay, then you're saying we're fine. You have no running game. None. So I kind of look, and then, then here's another thing. What's Todd Bowles going to do without Brady? That team, in your own words, looked like hammered dog shit with Brady. Are we sure it gets better without him? Because the one thing a veteran quarterback of his caliber can do, they can tie things together. And, and camouflage a lot of weaknesses with the stuff that a layman like me don't know, right? But they hold it together. Now you're asking Trask to really be the super glue and the duct tape? Well, that's a tough ask, Coach. That's, that's a tough ask. Yeah, and especially with Bowles. Yeah. Bowles that last game you and Salisbury broke down, it yeah. just reconfirmed everything that I saw as an, as an average fan. That was one of the most disorganized, ill-equipped defensive game plans I have ever seen. Like, I, I've always said it. Look, I'm not a Michelin star-rated chef, but I can go into a restaurant, and if I get salmonella, I can say on my Yelp review, that's not a good meal. And what I saw in that Dallas game should have gotten people fired on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, that was bad. I'm going to be honest. Um I don't know if Bowles is going to be a guy, just like I don't know if D'Amico Ryans is going to be a guy. Seven of eight coaches in the, in the playoffs were offensive guys. The final four are offensive guys. The two in the Super Bowl are offensive coaches. Um, I don't know why Houston thought, oh, let's, 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 well, let's, 
doing the same thing over and expect a different result. Let's hire another DC. Like, well, with Ryan's though, I think there's a personal angle because he had a nice career in Houston. He played there, yeah. And they had to recapture the city. And I think there was a lot of bad feelings over the recent hirings. And so let's be honest, D'Amico Ryan's being black probably played a factor, but. But they've had they've hired four black guys in a row. Yeah, but no, this one they gotta keep. This one, <laughs> I, I mean, will make they, 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 And these guys are one and dones. And, and hey, but you know what? <laughs> At least Houston's hiring brothers, right? And, and I, look, I will guarantee D'Amico Ryan's gets at least two seasons. I will go out on a limb. But look, there there seems to be a lot of support from the Texans alumni. Like a lot of them showed up to the press conference. I saw something with JJ Watt with a lot of his old teammates. And look, what D'Amico Ryan has to realize, and one of the great um, things you can be in life is to understand who you are. You have to know what you don't know. Now, if I'm the Texans, and even though he's not a sure thing, I keep it simple. I draft Bryce Young, try to do my best to protect him because he's not small, and I get the best offensive coordinator possible and I say, look, let me look at my side of the ball. I'll run that, and I'll run the game. The offense is yours. Because you're right. There is a trend that offensive coordinators or offensive guys do a little bit better as a head coach. But D'Amico Ryans fits a lot of boxes, and he did a great job. His guys seem to play hard. So I, I think that fits. Um, I, but I'm with you, though. I saw heard your conversation yesterday. I would have hired – if I'm Carolina – I, I would have, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Wilkes would have been my guy. Me too. I, what I would have done if I'm Carolina, I would have brought in the three most respected veterans if I'm the owner. And I would have had a meeting individually and as a guy, hey guys, is Wilkes the guy? Do you like him? And I think the thing, I think the Yelp review there would have, yeah, we like this guy. I said, okay, that's going to be our coach. Let's start. Because the way he did a great job, he went six and six, um, taking Without a team that. Yeah, without McCaffrey, everyone thought they were going to – maybe that's the problem. Maybe he didn't take. And he got rid of a shitbird in Robbie Anderson. Oh, Loke Dog. Loke yeah, Dog. Loke Dog. Yeah. He got rid of Loke Dog, sent him back to South Central in a menace society, uh, drinking your juice in, without, in the hood without your juice. That's one of the funniest movies, by the way. That huh? movie is hilarious. Don't be uh, a menace. one of the funniest drink. movies of all time. That I love it when the grandma – is uh like cooking and shit. Hey, give me some of that shit. And that little <laughs> bottle has shit on. There, there that are Wu-Tang so many. Song is playing, that Wu Tang song. Too. Yeah. And she's like, what's up? Yeah. She's like, <laughs> butt this size. Yeah. What about what about when uh Loke Dog um gets like the gun gets pulled? And, oh, you want mess? And he has like a missile in his uh, mail like, truck. And he's like, <laughs> he pulls out a gun, a shotgun, a Uzi, a rocket. And all of a sudden, he's got a missile. And they're like, okay, man, we're gonna. That movie is hilarious, by the way. By the, way the missile was in the back of the of the of the of the post office truck. Yeah, because that's the Tupac movie. Poetic, From, yeah, poetic justice. Poetic justice. Um, yeah. We gotta do a movie review one day. We'll fucking we'll just review White Shadow every day. Oh, hey, I love, by the way, I gave a review on Twitter, and people agree. Again, in the immortal words of Coach JB, absolute. Hammered dog shit. The new night court. Oh, that, I saw that. Oh, I, I lasted five minutes, and I said Harry Anderson must be rolling over in his grave. Once again, they try to diverse it up. It's horrid. So who's the who's the judge? The judge is that little white girl that was in uh, 
the Big Bang Theory. He no longer has that squeaky, whiny voice. Wait, is she the daughter, supposedly? Yeah, something like that. And the only they had John Larroquette, who's now this aging, um, you know, gray guy who's now he's not the same guy that he was. And then was you know, Bull is Bull in there? No, no, there's no Bull. I think Bull died. He did. Bull did die. Bull and then did so die. did Marky Post. Bull Rest did die. To her. So I mean, look, I'm not asking for the same cast. I get it. It's a reboot. But Hollywood's got to come up with more ideas. The only reboot that I have enjoyed and I'm a big fan of is the Wonder Years. Really? Love the, yeah, the new version of the Wonder Years, thumbs up. Love what they've done. And the Wonder Years is a very special show to me because the only birthday that I can recall in my life, I don't really celebrate birthdays. I'm not going to Chuck E. Cheese to celebrate. I don't care. I don't care. After a while, they're all the same. But January 31st is my birthday. So the one birthday I actually remember was in 1988 for two reasons. Doug Williams wins the Super Bowl with the best quarter of football I've ever seen from a quarterback. They scored 35 points. To win one. Right. They scored 35 points in like 17 plays, Coach. That's almost impossible to do, right? And then after the Super Bowl, they sign off. It was the premiere of the Wonder Years, the original one. So that's the only birthday. I can't tell you anything about any other birthday of my life except that one. Um, but yeah, the night court should be disbarred. Hey, what back in the day when I was young, you know, you know wow. what I used to watch after the Super Bowl went off every year when I was young? Alf. Alf was okay. I okay, another Alf. Super Bowl I remember. Fox had the Super Bowl where John Elway's last game against the Falcons. So I said, okay. They premiered The Family Guy. Great show. It was funny. Kool-Aid breaks through the wall. He goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, never mind. Great show. I love Family Guy. Family Guy's really good. So those are the two Super Bowls that I but I never watched Family Guy. I don't know what it is. Oh, you'd love right? Family Guy. It's the last honest, real comedy in some of the stuff they say. But, Coach, I'm just telling you, Night Court, I, after the first commercial, I said, out. <laughs> out. Hey, uh, yeah, a lot of people in the chat had a crush on Wendy Cooper. Oh, didn't we all? The Coop. Oh, Winnie. I Did mean, I, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like R. Kelly, but I think everyone back in '88 to '90 had a crush. On she Winnie had like Cooper. big, big up top. No, no, that's Funky Brewster. You no, the wrong Funky one. That's Funky Brewster. Yeah, no, she went to high. So, the, so you know, she went to high school with me for a minute. Celine Moonfry. Yeah, and so okay, so Winnie Cooper actually was a student. She went to UCLA and was really smart. She actually wrote her own math textbooks. Like, she was oh. a real thinker, so she's done well in life. But, yeah, the coop. Ah, oh, the coop. She was good. Winnie. Celine Moonfry, huge tits. Yeah, she, uh, had to, she had to get a reduction, unfortunately. Yeah, she you know? did, and she never looked the same. I lost all respect. I lost all respect. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, so did I. <laughs> hey, uh... Matt Rule's taking Carolina to court for $5 million while they hire Frank Reich in the middle of this. And then uh, hearing that the Bears are going to try to keep Fields now, trade the number one pick away for a greater roster uh, spot. I'm not mad at that. I've been saying I like that. Keep, keep your guy. Let's go with the guy. I, I think there's a lot of those scenarios out there in the NFL that can keep our average quarterback and build around them, um, save some money. Um, there's Coach, that I think going on. 
And then oh. the Eagles O-lineman gets indicted for kidnapping and forced oral. I don't know how you forced yeah, oral. Yeah, but that was in two, you know what's funny? I read into that. That was in 2019. I know. Not that I'm not, again, we're not saying that makes it any better. I'm just factually thinking, Coach, Justin Fields, if he was on this current Niner team, I think one of your guests may have said it. That would look pretty good, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. With all the waggle and bootleg action they would do, I mean, that backside end could never crash. I mean, so do I you, actually – Do you remember this right here last year? <laughs> do you remember when he said uh, Jimmy G? I wish you guys could see Jimmy. Oh, that was last year, yeah. So what, what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. He said, I don't see any scenario. Actually, it's not last year, Steve. I was fucking with you. That was yesterday. Well, okay. He said the same thing last year. Jimmy G can't be traded right now, Steve. Think about it. Think about it. Purdy's out nine months. Yeah. You got got Trey Lance, who's a nobody, who nobody knows anything. They don't trust the guy. And now you have Jimmy G who you're going to get rid of. Who's your quarterback? Huh. Well, Purdy's a six to nine-month rehab. But does that mean he'll actually be ready for camp? And will he ever get any arm strength back? That's That's the thing. Look, he didn't have a rocket to begin with. So you're going to come back in nine months and, and say, let's go. Let's go win a Super Bowl again with this guy? Hell no. Well, does Trey Lance – seen him throw? Well, hold on. Does Trey Lance now become QB1? They need to trade him. They, they <laughs> I think. They have to go after – they have to go after one of these guys. Like, I don't know. I don't see the Packers getting rid of him to the Niners, though. No. Um, Coach, going back to Justin Fields, I thought he showed a lot of character the way he handled it. I mean – there's too many games last year where, like you said, he's Walter Payton. But there was a point right around mid-October when I'd watch some Bear games and be on the Reds. Every game it looked like he'd gotten beaten up with a baseball bat. I mean, his facial expression, his body slumped over. He's all bruised up like he went 15 rounds with Mike Tyson. And I'm thinking, that's not sustainable as a quarterback at this level Cause you're you have, a running back, right? You're Neil Anderson Jr. Um, by the way, that reaction that uh, Jared Payton had when he was on with you when you called him his father, <laughs> <laughs> Jared. Jared is a great guy, and he needs to be very diplomatic about Chicago. Hey, by the way, when that aired on Twitter, uh, Steve Kim texted me and goes, you got to post that on Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I didn't mean it like that. But at the same time, I'm like, Jared, Justin Fields is your dad. Second, yeah, You know you know what's funny about Jared? Not funny. He was such a mature individual. I was told when he was at the University of Miami that anytime Larry Coker or the staff had a big-time five-star recruit, and they came on campus, Jared, they said, give him to Jared. He will represent our program. He will yeah. sell the program. Like, he, he's the type. They trusted him. I'll never forget one game. The game that's famous for the I'm a soldier rant by Kellen Winslow. We lost the 2003 game at home. We blew it late to Tennessee at the Orange Bowl. I was there that game. One of the boringest games I've ever seen. But that's a game where Jared Payton, late in the game, he is starting to gash Tennessee. Wait, the and, Winslow that's in jail now? Or yeah, Kellen Winslow. I'm a soldier. Anyway, his life didn't turn out well. Anyway, so I'll never forget, all we have to do is run the ball five more times and we're going to win late in the game. 
all of a sudden, Chudzinski, who I didn't like, goes into a spread shotgun with Brock Berlin. The very next play, he gets hit, free rusher, ball goes in here, it's intercepted. So we lose the game, I think it was 10-7. So we're in the we're in the parking lot where you know where the team buses are, all the parents are there. And I went to a lot of games back then, so I got to know some of the parents, and I knew who Connie Payton was, because that's Walter's wife. And so we're talking. Connie Payton was so upset and hot over her son not getting the ball. And I'm just, we're kind of egging her on. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, wow, I'm talking to Walter Payton's wife who's MFing our staff. Great moment outside the game. Great moment. But, yeah, don't ever put Jared on the spot again. You're going to get him run out of Chicago, coach. God, dog, that was bad. That's funny. That was funny, though. The title of this show today is is Who's the GOAT? Mahomes or Brady? I don't. I don't well, want to wait. Now, that's, that's a little premature. Mahomes is five years so, See, why do people really bring this up? Like, there's no way in hell you can compare the two right now. First of no. all, first of all, you've never even beat Brady. You haven't beat Matt Brady as Mahomes. Mahomes has gotten blown out in a Super Bowl by the 43 year old man at the time, and then he lost to him in New England um, in the AFC title game. He hasn't beat uh, Brady. How are you the goat? Stephen A. Yeah, Smith. I'll go beyond further. Okay. If you were picking a team to win one game and everything being equal, I still say Joe Montana's the GOAT. And a lot of people, and again, I'm a child of the 80s, so are you. But it, I'm just sick and tired of people thinking Joe Montana was like this bum or a product of the system. A lot of quarterbacks are a product of the system or they play to it. But this is the biggest difference between Brady and Montana. Okay, because there's a lot of similarities, precision, accuracy. They're clutch. They're big game players. But Joe Montana had good legs. And if he needed to get eight yards to scamper or get 20 yards in an open field, and he had the best footwork, that guy was like a ballerina in the pocket. The way he would drop, he was so light on his feet, he would step up. It was an art form. Bill Walsh said it's the best footwork he ever coached. He said that's the handbook. He actually, Bill Walsh actually did a coaching video, and he used Joe Montana as his quarterback. About how and then Peyton Manning came in and they right. had the two. Right, and then you take a look at the way Joe Montana. Like I, don't, I didn't know this, but I watched the video. But certain steps are supposed to be longer than other ones. They're not all yeah. supposed to be the same stride. And Joe was just a textbook. So based on athleticism, mobility. I, I think Joe's as good as it ever got. I really do. And back, back then, Coach, keep this in mind, you could hit people. Joe got brutalized. Hell they yeah. didn't protect quarterbacks the way they do now. Hell no. And that's I hated Joe Montana like as a Rams Marino. fan. That's why I, got, I think guys like Elway, Marino, Aikman, yes. uh, all these guys could throw for fucking 9,000 yards now. That's, you can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch the receiver. You can't knock the cat out over the middle. So you're going to have dudes free reign. Imagine those quarterbacks back in the day. Oh, uh, Coach, now. let's go back to the game that I watched with you a couple of weeks back. If Troy Aikman is the quarterback two weeks ago for Dallas, they beat the Niners by two touchdowns. Uh, there, there are certain throws in that game that Troy Aikman makes so routine. You got the deep slant to Gallup, completely misthrown. It's behind him. It's towards the wrong hash mark. The, the the bad throws that were intercepted, the double hitching on the out, Troy Aikman doesn't do that. Troy Aikman is one guy that I've said in that era, you do not judge by statistics. 
you have to actually watch the game and the way it was played back then and the system that was really more of a run-first system. But if you put him into like – or you could put him into any system. Because remember, he played the wishbone at Oklahoma. He was a good enough athlete. They actually ran the wishbone, believe it or not, with a 6'4 white guy because he ran a, a legitimate 4'5 at that size. Oh, yeah. Okay? And so he could play from wishbone and be effective to playing any type of run-and-shoot spread. How many quarterbacks in the history of football can actually say, I can run wishbone all the way to a, a, a run and shoot? Probably three guys. Maybe. Maybe Randall Cunningham could athletically. Well, he may have been able to do it. Uh, Jamel young Holloway John Elway. In there. Jamel Holloway coming in there from Compton, from Watts, going into Lock yep. High, goes over there, or Banning, I'm sorry, goes yep. over there, and he's the next freak of nature. And Troikman's like, well, Barry, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. And, and and I remember in 86, he transferred to UCLA and he had the red shirt. Back then you had the red uh, Yeah, you had to basically sit out a year as a transfer. Yes. And their quarterbacks that year, I think it was Matt Stevens who I met. We worked at the same radius. Great guy. Matt Stevens, yep. great guy. And they had another quarterback. So they're kind of going back. But I remember the, all the talk was, don't worry, guys. Next year, we have a good one. Troy Aikman, that was the whole talk in 86. Wait for Aikman. Yeah, they had they had a Tom Ramsey was before him. Ramsey was before David Nori was the other quarterback. David Nori, who I know, actually him and my cousin are pretty close. Yeah, uh, yeah they had, they've always had pretty good. Matt Stevens, believe it or not, he's, he's like the Freedom Bowl like MVP every year because they used to it was very average back then. They'd play yeah. in the Freedom Bowl like against BYU or and those were big games back then. Steve, remember people don't realize like. A bowl game was a big deal. There used to be a time there would be 16 bowl games. And they yeah. always used to start with the Raisin Bowl in Fresno. Yes. And a lot of these games would be syndicated, so they wouldn't be on the major networks. No. And so when there were 16 bowl games, Coach, I would actually watch about every single one of them. Me too. It was the California Raisin Bowl. Yes. And Fresno State was always in that game, it seemed like, which is a home game for them. Yeah. So you like, see Kevin uh, Sweeney yeah, like, and Coach what? Sweeney there. So anyway, so back then, bowl games were actually special, and no one would sit out. They would play. I remember one bowl game. It was the 89 or 88 or 89 Gator Bowl. It was Andre Risen on one side for Michigan State, who made like 10 unbelievable catches. I mean, his roof was on fire that game. It had nothing to do with left eye. And then it was Tony Mandarich was dominating. Everyone thought he was going to be the next John Hanna or something. But it was a great game because Rodney Hampton was also uh, in that game. Um, I just remember thinking, wow, these games matter. And now, until it gets to about December 27th or 28th, Coach, I don't watch any of those bowl games till after Christmas. Me either, man. I, I, it's like disturbing how bad it is. Plus, you don't have anyone playing. It's like load management yeah. in the NBA. Um, load manage. God, did you? Hey, hear- before, before you get out of here today, I gotta ask you because I got so many LeBron lovers in this chat. I can't stand them. I, <laughs> you, you don't show up in the end of any. I've never seen the guy show up at the end of any meaningful game. And little less like regular season games, he don't even show up in at the end of the games. But anyway. He's going to break Kareem's record. He's 80 points away or whatever. Um, first of all, Kareem never shot a three. 
He played four years of college. I think Kareem plays four years in the NBA without going to college. This, this, this record will never be caught. But that's a whole nother ball game. I know LeBron's done it in less games than Kareem, but the game is completely different. Let's be Tempo. honest. Tempo. Tempo. Tempo, three-point shooting, three-point play. I mean, come on. Uh, it's you like, can't oh, hit anybody. Coach, there was uh, a time. Dude, look, it's there bad. was a time, and I don't mean in the 70s, when no one would play defense to the last two minutes. That was the <clears throat> perception of the league. But sometime during the 80s, these guys, there was a rule. If you came down the middle in the paint, you were going to get hit. Fucking right. You were absolutely going to get hit. And I don't want to hear about the players are bigger, stronger, and faster. Okay. Well, what if those guys had HGH? Yeah, I went there. Yeah, I said it. If you don't think these guys are enhanced, then you probably believe in the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and Santa Claus. Give me a damn break. Okay. And then the other thing I want to address with you, because I've heard you talk about it. This whole notion that Larry Joe Bird could not play in the end. I get it, guys. He's white. Okay. So is Luka Doncic. Okay. And you don't, what does Luka, who's a spectacular player, unbelievably productive, what does he do better than Larry Bird? You might nothing. Say, nothing. And, and Larry Bird, this is what people don't understand, coach. And I've heard this said. I saw a picture of him and Magic standing next to each other. Very friendly talk. They're just talking. Neither of them is slouched. Coach, he's at least two inches bigger than Magic, who is 6'8". Larry Bird's 6'10", and legit. So actually, like, um, who's that guy for the Mavericks? Had the fadeaway. Really good fade. The Hall of Fame. The white guy they had. There's no whiskey. He's a tougher, more well-rounded version of Bird. Bird had a sneaky first step. His shot was incredible. Bird was such a bad dude. He would actually, at the start of a game, there's one famous game. So game starting, he's killing a guy. And he, and he goes over to Barkley. He goes, hey, Shay Charles, come here. Um, tell your coach this is insulting. I don't want any white guy guarding me. Get out of here with this bullshit. <laughs> That's the type of guy he was. There was one game. Where I guess he injured his thumb or something, and he actually said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go left-handed." Scored 32 points, just basically it was in Portland. I've actually seen highlights. Every shot he threw up was left-handed, and now with the game being so spread out, and he was already a good three-point shooter, and the fact that they don't hit each other, he could score 40 points, and he was an unbelievable passer. His vision—he was almost as good a passer as Magic. So when I, I hear people say, could Bird play in the NBA today, it's maddening. It's maddening. And he was a tough guy. But people will tell you, he was the one guy that in the NBA, uh, if you're in a dark alley, he's one of those guys you'd want watching your back. He was a legitimately tough guy. No question. I, I tell people all the time, I said, dude, if you guys think Luka can score 50 and 60 points a game right now, and you don't think Larry could, you're a fucking idiot. Oh, so, uh, yeah, we get it. Again, we get it. He's a white guy. But, guys, he played during the color TV era, and there were a lot of black guys around him. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on, man. This guy would have dominated back then. So He was a dead-eye shooter. There was a time, Coach, uh, about a four-year stretch, and he won three MVPs in a row. There was a time when he, when he got the ball, no matter where it was on the floor, I always thought he was going to make the shot. That's how deadly – he was. I mean, there's a great story. I'm sure you've heard the 86 All-Star game. They're in Dallas, and he walks into the locker room. All these other great shooters are there. First thing he says, he goes, 
All right, three-point shooting contest. He goes, all right, who's playing for second? <laughs> and he shot the lights out. He was unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, you know who was playing for second? Fucking Craig Hodges. Craig Hodges. Yeah, and Craig Hodges won it a few times, by the way. In the uh, early, late 80s, early 90s. I think he won that contest two or three times. Good player, Craig. Craig Hodges, Long Beach State. Hell, yeah. Um, I got to ask you real quick. Um this whole thing, this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady retiring. I haven't talked to you since he retired. He made the second announcement of retirement. Um, is he retired for good? I hope so. Yes, and I'll tell you why, Coach. And I think we've discussed it. If you go back to some of the games the last month or two, he was treating that ball like a hand grenade, just a chuck in it. And, and he looked like a fighter, and I've seen this, who no longer wants to get stuck, stick his nose into a pile and fight. Reminded me of a story that Freddie Roach, great trainer, told me. And I've talked to Freddie many times at Wild Card Gym. And he told me one time, he said, Steve, you know when I knew I should retire? I go, when? It was my last fight right in the middle of the second round. He said he's scuffling along. His career's kind of declining. He's losing more than he was winning. And JB, he actually said in the middle of the second round, he's in an exchange or he's clinching. He goes, what the f am I doing in here? I want no part. I'm done. And he said the rest of the eight, nine rounds, he said, Steve, I acted like the biggest wimp. I said, just let me see the last. I will never box again. I'm done. Tom wasn't that bad, but go watch some of those late season games, coach. He's just chucking that ball. He wouldn't even, he just did not want to go through that, even though he was still very productive. And if you watch that announcement that he did a couple days ago, didn't you see kind of a resignation and a heaviness in his voice? Like, okay, I, I've got it all out of my system. I got to rebuild my marriage. I wouldn't do that. But I, I got to rebuild my life now. Didn't you get that sense? Like, he was finished? Yes, he's done. Um, I, I got it. I, I was like, I'd be shocked if he comes back and plays. But, you know, he can't now, though, right? He, there's no way he comes out with this new announcement. Oh, well, that, now his name would be Sugar Ray Brady. Good grief. I mean, look, we'll give him a mulligan for last year, okay? But you do this again, now you're becoming Brett Favre, and that became uh, a bit farcical uh, when he started making announcements every single March. And look, all good things must come to one. If Tom Brady has to retire, still playing at a pretty elite level, over 5,000 yards with a bad offensive line, banged up receivers, no real team speed, no help with the running game. It's still something you could say, you know what, Tom? You went out okay. You went out okay. I, I could live with it. If I, if you're a betting man and I said, there's no way Aaron Rodgers goes to Green Bay, it, that's out the picture. He cannot go back to Green Bay and he cannot go to Vegas. Hmm. You're a betting man. Where would he end up? And it has to be an AFC team. Jets. Jets. I, Garrett I Wilson. I, got a weird feeling. I have a, I have another scenario. I think it's a weird scenario. Um, Miami. Colts. That, but that's a re coach. That's a rebuild, though. Do you, is it you really think going to a is rebuild? Is it really a rebuild, though? They got a running back, a running game, a great old line, and a great defense. Yeah, and they've got wait, a couple wait, wait. legit wideouts. They can get. They got some. Yeah, room. they got Pittman. They, you know, here's the thing. Jonathan Taylor. Those days at Wisconsin, that's like anytime you get a running back at Wisconsin, some it seems like you're getting a car 
off the lot with 75,000 miles on the odometer. That's the problem. I mean, they run those guys into the ground. Um, don't you think the Jets are a better foundation, though? I mean, personally, where would and I want to New see? York. I would want to see Aaron Rodgers in Miami with those wideouts. Yes. That's where I'd want to see him, but I don't see that happening. But I would want to see him in Miami with Tyreek Hill and Waddle. That would be. And it's funny. I saw some announcement on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, uh, Tua has been cleared under the concussion. After program. a month. <laughs> hold on. I'm like, hold on, dude. Is this, was, was the guy fucking, was it, what, did they clone him? Yeah. I was like, okay. Hey, don't, don't they say you can get cloned in a month now? Is that the hey, I'll tell you one thing right now. If I'm if I'm Mike McDaniel, not only do I put Tua in minicamp in a, in a red jersey, not I put him in bubble wrap. I'm like, guys, we're taking no chances here. In Have April. you seen those bubble? You know those bubble ball things that yeah, you yeah. I'm putting him in. Put him in that thing. Yeah, in April, I'm gonna be like, if I'm Mike McDaniel, guys, we have a rule here. Anyone even touches the bubble, you're cut. We're not taking any chances. <laughs> that big old fucking bubble that they 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 fucking uh they got bulls now hitting them in these trees. And he's saying, I'm putting oh, them in that another thing. I know me and you kind of agree. Players should actually play during the preseason. I, I'm a believer. You, you got to develop. How do you handle Tua next August? I mean, that timing game, that passing game is so reliant on timing and being in sync. I so, don't know, dude. Are, I, I mean, know. do you dare throw him out there in August? Oh, geez. Like, I got to be honest. After the whole Hamlin thing, and then there's that conspiracy and all this shit. Where is, by the way, he supposedly came out on social media. Is that real? Who, Hamlin? Yeah, I guess people have now seen him. It's like Bigfoot. It's like the Loch Ness Monster, uh, Yeti, and Demar Hamlin. So, you know, remember hey, remember growing up, Coach, the, the creepiest show ever, In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy? Man, those shows used to scare the hell out of me. They used to do shows about the pyramids, the aliens, Bigfoot. Leonard Nimoy was a creepy dude, man. He could see, he could sell that. Yeah, but I guess that uh, he's been seen now. I'm gonna start calling him Le- uh, Demar Yeti Hamlin. I, I mean, goddamn! I want to see some memes. This is unbelievable. This story that I just kept. I'm like, dude, come on! I, they're saying that his mouth was edited and shit, like. Yeah. Oh, God. Look, if he's alive, great. I hope he makes a recovery. Um, I guess he was on some show, uh, The Masked Singer. I think when? I saw. Yeah, so look, he's getting. When? when was he on this? Last week. I saw something. What? Yes, I think someone actually said. The, uh, I saw a picture. Maybe it was a me. I don't know what's real anymore. But as in the immortal words of Eminem, will the real Damar Hamlin please stand up? Please. <laughs> hey, I gotta, I gotta, I want to know this one question. Why is this fucking guy not sitting on like uh, some big show? You know, like Pat McAfee or 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 or, or one of these guys. Or whatever like, the version of Oprah is to talk about yeah, his main show. Why aren't you on the main show? Right. That's that's all we are saying. I'm not saying that this is like weekend at Hamlin's. Like they're propping up somebody. I'm just. Weekend at Hamlin's. Uh, <laughs> God, we're getting man. in trouble. I'm not making fun in light of this whole situation. Hey, he's alive. We could joke about it. 
Fuck yeah, we can. I'm going to joke about it. I don't give a shit. I'm over it. I ain't heard nothing about Peyton Hillis. Oh, you know what? Good is, he, is he alive? I'm starting to think these two motherfuckers no, are no. doing like a no, 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 Paige, no, no. They showed a picture of, of, of uh, Hillis in the hospital with the staff that helped him. He looked, he looked good. He looked good, and God bless Peyton Hillis and his kids. Honestly, he, hey, they, they're they're actually, this. have you seen you people on Netflix? Oh my God! I saw the commercial. I wanted to vomit. I wanted to absolutely vomit. It's right with Lauren London, uh, Nipsey Hussle's old wife, girl, uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill. He looks like a fucking idiot. He's like tan. He's got wavy hair, and uh, so. I'm sitting there smoking a cigar, watching this shit yesterday, and I'm like, oh, fuck. It's another All-American. It's another All-American movie. It's like the Disney version. They got to check all the boxes. And I'm like, the worst. Uh, I refuse to watch it. I watch it, and I said, uh, I, I'm watching the one on John DeLorean, which I think is interesting. By the way, you got to watch the documentary of Fire. Have you seen that? Wait, you cut out. What'd you say? Remember when Ja Rule was promoting this music festival on this Caribbean island and it was a total bust? What's the name of it? Fire Festival. No, I heard about that shit, Fire and Festival. And what this one guy was willing to do to get bottled water, I don't want to give it away, but what a team player. That's all I'm going to say. And then also, Coach, another recommendation from the old Kimster. Watch the Netflix documentary on 99 Woodstock. What a crap show that was. You will enjoy it. It's funny. But the, the new people, uh, no, that's horrible. The commercial revolted me. It's hey. just utter shit. Hey. Really, it is. What about what about uh, Top Gun Two, the most overrated movie of all time? Okay, here's the thing. I, I got to give you credit, Coach. When you made that, when you made that take, or you, you made that bold statement, I like what you did. You said, you know what? I know what you did, Coach. You said, you know what? Kansas City already hates me. I'm gonna go for the whole country. Top Gun sucked. I'm like, what? Oh no, no. I'm sorry. I know what you're doing here. You're trying to be classy Freddie Blassie. Calling us all from you, that gate. I know what you're doing that here. That movie, movie was deep. good. Get out of here. Let me ask you this. <laughs> that is the single most overhyped uh, uh, sequel to a movie since LeBron James and uh, oh, Space, Jam. Space Jam. It's the worst. Look. This is what I appreciated. Me and Mario actually went to go watch that movie because we were going to talk about it on the show, Three Knockdown Rule. We enjoyed it because, you know what? It was a good American popcorn movie. It wasn't too serious. There's a lot of special effects. Things were getting blown up. It didn't hate America. They did a little bit of the diversity thing. I get it. You had, you had the female pilots, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even trust them behind cars. You're going to trust them with fighter jets? Well, no, you thank female, you. You had a gay guy behind her, Bob, or whatever. Right, you and then you, had, then you had an Asian pilot, and I'm like, I really don't trust them behind any wheel. So, yeah, I get that. Like, let's just get the white guys. Like, you know, let's just get Goose. But, you know, the guys like that. But I thought it was well done. I was entertained by it. God Hold bless on, though. 
I I don't want to see Tom Cruise 46 years later in a fucking gone. leather bomber jacket. He I wanted to gone. see I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him with Tom Skerritt four years after the hey, first hey, one. Hey, Maverick look, still look good. He's hitting the bow flex. By the, the way, man has aged way, well. The single most, the single greatest line in cinema history is the bald guy on the first Top Gun when he said, "You'll be pumping rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong." <laughs> You're right. Greatest line of all time. All right, so Tom Cruise, my favorite Tom Cruise movie. You can appreciate this. And obviously, it's fiction. He played a white cornerback from Ampite, Pennsylvania. All Hell the right yeah. moves. And by the way, the star linebacker was played by Sean Penn's brother. Chris Penn, who couldn't go to USC because he got a girl knocked up. Great movie. And my favorite Tom Cruise line is when he's telling Coach Nickerson, you are not God. Remember he was blackballing him? Something, of course, JV, you've never done that. You send kids to call. You don't keep them from calling. But either, you are not god you are just a typing teacher great movie and and the, my favorite scene is when they're playing crescent heights the big fancy high school and they're going through the bus i thought they captured that so well because coach you know this anyone that's played any level of high school sports we were all there's always that one or two big games and you're traveling on the bus where you're nervous as hell and you think it's the biggest thing in the world I thought it was a great scene the way they filmed the countryside of Pennsylvania, the steel mills. I love that movie. I can watch that anytime it comes. Over. We got to watch that next time I come over. We got to have like a viewing of that and Gung Ho. Hey. That's when America was producing good movies, man. Gung Ho, great movie. Uh, <laughs> Gung Ho, man. Yeah, if you guys haven't watched Steve Kim in the movie Goonies, go ahead and watch yeah. it. The- <laughs> hey, no, well, I was hey. in Gung Ho. Well, I, was in, I was one of the factory workers in Gung Ho Goonies, my ass. Hey, uh, Steve Steve Kim created the slingshot and Goonies, by the way. <laughs> hey, uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. The worst brothers, the worst brother actors ever. I mm. think Chris Penn is the low, most low-budget actor brother along who? Let me ask you. Is it Chris Penn or all the Baldwin brothers? Who's yeah, worse? Yeah, look, Chris Penn was actually decent. I thought he was pretty good in all the right moves. I thought he was okay. He he was a he was a Tom Cruise's best friend. And I I, I thought he, I never heard of Chris Penn being a bad actor. He's just overshadowed by Sean. Yeah, the other Baldwin brothers, I can't tell any of them apart from one another. I know the big guy that recently shot somebody uh, allegedly by accident, but but everyone else is just a bald one. I just like okay, whatever, you know. It's, hey, like, it's, like, it's like a family of Michael Jackson, and everyone else is like Tito. You know, who, Vision Quest was a great movie, by the way. Great wrestling movie, great soundtrack when Madonna was still a normal human being. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. A good songs she has, hey, by the way, uh, Madonna. I have her last Playboy magazine, the last stapled issue Playboy. I have it. It's mint condition. She has a hairy. She has hairy armpits Ugh. in that one, and her 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 groin area is is as hairy as a fucking uh, you know. Wow, lion's no longer mane. a virgin, huh? Yeah, she wow. was. Uh, Man, she's weird. She, she looks more and more like an alien. Well, if you fuck with, yeah, if you fuck with Dennis Rodman, you're probably on the spectrum of a weird <laughs> fuck. Um, 
I got to be honest. I mean, you're pretty weird if you fuck with Dennis Rodman wearing clear rubber suits um, and shit like that. I don't know. Uh, it, it is what it is, dude. I, I think she's Chris weird, Penn, though. No, she's not of this earth anymore. What happened to Madonna? I miss the material girl. Damn, Damn. Madonna. Madonna is Paula Abdul. I like Paula. I, I, Paula Abdul. She Laker used, girl, um, by the way. She used to go to Dukes all the time. She was, she was, she used to mess with John Stamos when I was in high school. They used to go to Dukes. John Stamos' dad owned a burger joint right by our teacher high school called Dukes, and Paul Abdul would be in there with John Stamos when they were young, um, way back in the late eighties, early nineties. And she was a Laker girl, uh, huh? She was a Laker girl, Paul yeah. Abdul. She was a Laker girl. I mean, but I liked her because she always seemed friendly. Like she didn't seem she seemed pretty relatable and on American Idol she seemed ditzy but fun always giggled a lot that was kind of annoying but I, she seems like a friendly person like she seems somewhat normal who is um, better who is a better uh, late night dream Paul Abdul or Vanity oh Vanity by far Paula was the girl next door Vanity was the uh kung fu fighter yeah or apollonia like let's be honest a lot of us watch purple rain for one reason the lake scene that's it apollonia was another one but yeah paula was very i like paula even though she did mc scat cat i hated that thing but everything else was good everything else except hey, the mc scat cat get it too who sally richardson yeah i don't i kind of sort of remember what was she in Posse? Posse. Okay, I'm going to have to look that one up. That one is... She's in a lot of shit. Boomerang? Boomerang. Good movie. Uh, My favorite uh, Eddie Murphy movie, by the way, is Boomerang. It, 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 I've caused a lot of controversy with that. Love trading Boomerang. Trading Places, I got to put him at number one. Yeah, Trading Places was a good one. With more I don't know. Trading Pla- I like the Beverly Hills Cops. He's making another one. Oh, what? I got the vibe. I, I'm right. getting the Maverick Coach. vibe. I'm oh, getting the is, Top Gun 2 vibe. I don't want to see Beverly Hills Cop 35 years later. This is this is getting into Police Academy vibes. After the first five, we didn't need any more. Hey, Eddie, get a I new idea. love Police Academy and Mahoney. Yeah, but did you like all nine of them? No, no. Just like, what about what about the 22 fucking, uh, the, the, the one with, uh, you know, Rock and uh, Vin Diesel? Oh, that's the... Uh, Cars. Fast and Furious. 21 of those. Yeah, but that's more like a cartoon. I don't know. I just want the police account. Even Michael Winslow ran out of sound effects. I mean, he did every sound effect with his mouth. He, he just ran out of appliances. He ran out of a... He just said, okay, I'm done too. But hey. another Beverly Hills cop. Hey, by it. the way, trivia. We're doing movie trivia. We have no idea where this show went. Uh, Steve Kim, appreciate you joining me. Uh Tackleberry was great. Um, Tackleberry was funny. Took a lot of things seriously. Bubba Smith, great defensive end in the yeah. NFL. People don't know Bubba Smith in that movie was a great NFL player. He was supposed to be the next Deacon Jones type of guy. I know. Howie Long. And he was one of the original guys that made the Miller Lite commercials taste great, less filling, famous. Um. Yeah, long live Bubba Smith out of Michigan State. Yep. Was a dominant player for the Spartans. Absolutely. Yeah, he was like uh, Greg Townsend. Yes. 
Absolutely. He, he, he was, a, but he, he, it's true though. He was a bigger Hollywood presence and it was, it actually overshadowed his NFL career because his career wasn't quite what everyone thought. Although I, I think he won a Super Bowl though with the uh, Baltimore Colts. Yeah. He beat Dallas. Yes. Super Bowl five or six, I believe. Yeah. And I didn't know he was that old. I was like, fuck, he's old. Uh, now that Sean Payton took Denver, Speculation was out there. Harbaugh was going to get it. Is Harbaugh going to Arizona? Look, there. Uh, you know I'm a big Harbaugh fan. Weirdo. There comes a time if you're Michigan, you got to tell. We we can't do this. It's ridiculous. Honestly, I'm I, I'm getting sick of this, Jim. There comes a point in time where you have to lay your hat somewhere, and I, I get it. You've been there six seven years. You've raised and elevated the program, but. You're not helping things. If we want to get to a national title, which I don't know if he even cares about, maybe he thinks going to the playoffs twice and blowing a game this past year is good enough. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm not leaving Michigan until I win a national title. But, again, this is a business. Uh, he likes the National Football League. I don't know if a good situation for Minneapolis would be because it's, it's kind of, you know, not too far from Michigan and all that stuff. And, they they give him time, but I don't know. I I actually thought and strong codes and personalities to anchor the sport. I actually want him to stay in Amber for as long as possible. You hear me? I. You keep cutting out. You got you got you got you got some uh you got some Yao Ming um shit going on on the internet over there. I think China's tapped into your thing. <laughs> I think China's I'm gonna have to look into this with the LeBron James debacle. Um, hey, I just have not. I can't watch NBA. This, this oh, I is, won't. I just won't. Worst. Been the worst I've ever watched. Uh, and now you know it's comedy to me or uh uh. What's his name? Not Sam Perkins. I would never disrespect Sam Perkins with uh, with Kendrick Perkins. But Kendrick Perkins, he came on ESPN today and said that Kawhi Leonard is back in the top five, is an NBA top five. I said, this motherfucker don't play. How don't is he to, top five because he's played six games? Don't you have to actually play? <laughs> Dude, I'm so – Coach, I just won't watch the NBA. If the players themselves do not care about their actual product and the games, to expect the American public to be invested into it is ridiculous. And we have done this load management to a point. We are now conditioning players to not want to play. I truly think that a lot of guys come into this thinking it's a dream job. We get a lot of money. We love the sport of basketball. But when you allow people or actually force them to sit out, that becomes the new normal. You get conditioned to not want to play. And that's a shame. That's an absolute shame. I, I, if I was a parent, and I've said this before, if I was a parent and I worked a couple overtime shifts and I saved all my money to take my kid to see a certain player or a certain team, and that team sits out three or four starters, I'd be like, son, we have television. You can watch them from there. I'm never investing my time or effort to ever go to an NBA game. It's an absolute insult, and they've done it to themselves. And Charles Barkley is the only guy with the guts to call this out. Thank God for him. He's an American treasure. I agree. I love Barkley. Uh, I got to meet him with Pat Perez. He lives up by Pat. Uh, 
Live Golf is in Saudi Arabia. He'll be back Monday. I'm going to head out to Phoenix for a couple days for Radio Row, hang out with Pat, uh, and then I'll come back for the Super Bowl party that I'm hosting here. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a brisket. One thing. Gonna, <laughs> that's about a 12, 13 hour smoke. I'm gonna get up about three in the morning, put it on that drum smoker, and uh, put in some butcher paper. We're gonna try to get that thing nice and moist. Um, but hey, this weekend we're playing some poker. You, you got Steve Kim didn't want to play. He got in there. He took a lot of people's money one night. Um, yeah, I gave it all back though. Too. I gave it well, all. Well, you're back. a giver. You're a giver. You know. <laughs> Uh, All right, Coach, I got to get going here. I appreciate you hanging on bullshit with me. I'll uh, talk to you later on. All right, brother. Stay well. Uh, Steve Kim again joining us. Uh, Can't thank him enough. Uh, Eric for joining us. Uh, Shrine Game, make sure you watch the East-West Shrine Game tonight on NFL Network. Um, Should be a great one, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. And Sean Salisbury and I will be on around the same time for a watch party. We're going to watch some uh, Burrow, Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. And we're gonna watch the uh, the, bo- the, uh, the 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 quarterback play that is gonna be representing the Shrine Bowl tonight on NFL Network. So join us live tonight, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll pop on that uh, East West Shrine game and watch it a little bit live as well. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, bitches be like, "I need a guy with a big dick and money." I'd be like, "No, you need a tighter pussy and a fucking job." I probably appreciate you guys. I will see you tonight. Don't miss it. And I appreciate you pounding the like button on the way out. Head on over to CanadaDipCBD.com. Use the promo code CoachJB. Get you 20% off the cleanest way to dip in the world. And head on over to BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Get you 50% off all NBA games. I won 80 bucks last night on DraftKings. I'm going to bet that shit tonight and try to win me 100 grand. And, uh... Give me some fucking legit cameras. Anyone that knows how to do video editing or anyone that wants to help out on the show, DM us or email us at thecoachjbshow at gmail.com. We need some help. We're going to try to blow this show up. So anyone that wants to do some internship, uh, put it on your resume to help grow the channel, let me know. Uh, DM us at thecoachjbshow.com. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Peace.